0: It is a great pleasure to be here today with Max Darrett and Richmond Lee, aka Art Eater of the Great Art Eater Collective. You eat the art and it inspires you to create great art of your own, which we are going to be showcasing uh, today. I finally have another little screen here. You can see Max Derrett is here, and here is Richard Lee. Max Darrett, wonderful guest of Break the Rules, has been here before several times, getting to the deep mystery of what exactly attracts us to anime, the uh, Japanese-style video games, this uh, aesthetic, as well as what's going on beyond that. So before we get started, once again, all the new people who are coming in here, please be sure to subscribe, add a like. It all helps the algorithm. And as far as Richmond goes, I would love to know more about yourself. You are working on a uh, video game right now as well. Here, I'm looking at it, Zeta Tactics. So please tell us a little bit about yourself how you got started what this video game is that you're working on as well as your fascination with anime and then i'm going to bring it back to uh, max Derrett as well so there we go
1: all right wow what an intro um yeah i'm uh, really happy to be here uh where to start okay um yeah so my, my name is richmond lee uh, i've been working in games since uh, 2007. i've always loved you know art and games anime manga comics all, all this fun stuff um let's see i i, I actually Grew up uh, in Thailand and and Taiwan before uh, up till the age of five. And then I moved to the US Um, and uh, that'll be pretty relevant to this conversation today because the cartoons I grew up with was, uh, you know, it was all like anime, uh, you know, a lot of uh, like classic Japanese anime and manga um, and also classic American stuff. And then and then I moved to America. I saw like you know a lot of American cartoons, too. Um, And yeah, all that stuff was a big influence on me. Um, i'm working on this game uh, zeka tactics uh, uh, i run a studio called Bireg. Uh we we do uh, real really cool games <laughs> um, this is our first uh, major uh, big game but we've done like uh, you know smaller game projects in the past uh, this is our first attempt at a real uh, this is what we've been you know like uh, uh sharpening our swords for like this is the game that we've been dreaming about making it's a turn-based uh, tactical rpg uh, with a very uh, anime-inspired aesthetic uh hugely inspired by like shonen manga and like a classic mecha anime from like the 80s and 90s um and uh yeah uh, you know hopefully uh, you can take a look it's zeka tactics Z E C H A, like Mecha but with a z uh, you can find us on Twitter. Um, yeah, and just you know, let us know what you think of, of the game. I'm just, yeah, super happy to be here.
0: Really, really beautiful designs. And uh, looking at this guy in particular, it reminds me of that barge uh, in uh, Xenogears, which I hope we'll get into as well. Max Derrett, you made an amazing Xenogears video. I know Richmond had a chance to uh, look at it, where oh, you, cool. you also dive very deep into the uh, Gnosticism of what's going on in that game and i would love to find out what exactly inspired you to be so into digging deep into the world of video games and i guess in this for the sake of this conversation the video games that are inspired by this anime Culture which I don't know if you would say it's primarily Japanese culture because it has expanded outwards You know, like uh, the inspiration for example that Richmond uh, Is uh, utilizing so let me know what you think what exactly inspired you to do all this stuff that you're doing right now with uh, With these subjects of anime and video
2: games. Hmm. Well, honestly, Lev, I was kind of surprised uh, that you asked me to come and talk about this because it it makes me think that you view me as like I could be some sort of authority when it comes to anime. But honestly, I've only really started watching anime in the last year, thanks to the efforts of my girlfriend, who's very much inside of that entire world. Um, And also the efforts of my fans who've been trying to pull me towards uh, anime and games that have anime type aesthetics, like Xenogears, like Chrono Trigger, like, um, you know, those types of games that came out in that era. I suppose... If I were to say what is drawing me to this aesthetic and these products uh, and what has sort of kept my interest in them over the last year is that compared to animation from the West, uh, even though there's a lot of good animation from the West, you know, I love uh, even though we don't see as much 2D animation nowadays, you know, I love 3D animation. I love Pixar, DreamWorks, all that type of good stuff. But in comparison, I find that anime tends to go into a lot deeper uh, subjects. There's a lot more subtext with the types of stories that they're trying to tell. They treat their audience as a lot more mature and sophisticated and capable of handling these types of deep stories. Whereas with Western animation, it seems to be a lot more surface level. Not always, but more so. And I find that with the anime that I've been introduced to... Uh, Let's see. What have I watched? I've watched I've recently watched Cowboy Bebop, Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, trying to get into Ergo Proxy. (laughs) Uh, uh, I'll eventually get through it. But with all of those, I find that whereas other people maybe in our part of the world would just sort of pass it off as, oh, it's just a cartoon. No, it's some of the deepest philosophical, psychological, existential questions uh, have been put forward in these works of art and it it seems to be nonstop like there's a never-ending source of that sort of thing in the world of anime and in uh, the video games that sort of embrace that style so Yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, if people are listening to this that watch me on YouTube, they can point me to more games that are like that. Like I just said, Xenogears, Chrono Trigger, any other games that are like that, Richmond, I'm sure you can point me in the right direction. Mm. Well, Uh, Metal Metal Gear Solid. I think Metal Gear Solid, uh,
0: which is a game that you did one of your most popular videos about, Mm -hmm. even though the aesthetic of that, I think, is inspired more by a lot of Western action movies, including uh, the main character of Solid Snake. There is still something that I think happens when people who grow up in a different kind of culture, like Japan, for instance, take something like a lot of these American uh, concepts, and in a way I think Kojima was able to take it and twist it around and turn it into something that's even deeper than whatever it is he may have seen with some of the popular American movies. Now, this could be Mm. like a, it could be just like a a weeb, animu bias on my part to think like, you know, like they have that meme where this uh, this guy goes to see something yeah, that's in Europe, are. yeah, and then looks at the same thing in Japan. It's like, oh my God, you know, like this is so noble and amazing. So, again, it could just be bias from wanting the grass to be greener, greener on the other side and besmirching whatever it is that's uh, in your own culture. Or do you think that there is something to, you know, regardless of people being inspired by it, why do you guys think it is? That Japan, this relatively small island nation, was able to get the jump start on this very particular way of seeing things and ended up uh, becoming a phenomenon, both in uh, animation and video games. So I know Richmond as somebody who was inspired by this early on. What do you what do you think is going on there?
1: Oh, man, uh, this is such a big topic. But um, I, I would say the reason, in, in, to me, the most clear reason why uh, so many people uh, tend to get uh, really into anime is it, uh, it, it, what generally hooks people who get specifically in anime is um, they suddenly discover these stories that present uh, stuff that they just don't get anywhere else. Uh, there's such a broad range of stuff out there in, in anime and manga and stuff um, that, uh, you know, they, they, they find these stories that they can connect to deeply because they're so niche. And I, I think that's one of the strengths of um, anime and just a lot of Japanese media in general is that uh, uh, historically they're not afraid to get like super niche with stuff. And um, I, it has to do with a lot of things, but I, I think generally what people are responding to is that it's super creator driven. And a lot of the creators feel very free to uh, you just dive deep into whatever it is that they're, they're obsessing over uh, personally. And I, I'm, I'm vastly simplifying. I'm sure you could find examples of productions where people were like, oh, I was forced to do this or that. But by and large, uh, if you compare that to, uh, say, like Hollywood, which is, you know, the dominant industry in America, like that, that's like super metrics driven, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's very much about like, uh, uh, you know, data, like even before, like, uh, you know, social media, and, and computer algorithms. Uh there was, you know, they would they would take like census data, they would take polls. A lot of stuff would be driven by this desire to reach the widest pool of people possible. And so you 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 tend to get more watered down uh, stuff there where whereas anime is not afraid to be super niche. Like like Kojima stuff is super weird. It's mm-hmm. absolutely bizarre, right? It's way weirder that like he's you know he might maybe be inspired by like Michael Bay movies and stuff. But like it'll he, just get absolutely Uh, Super intensely into stuff and and that's why it's great. Like it's great because it's not afraid to get so strange
0: well before I go into the uh, deeper waters about uh, Gnosticism and so forth I want to address what I think a lot of people who do like anime are feeling right now when it comes to Western culture to put it frankly a lot of them are sensing that there is a lot of wokeness in Western culture today. I think partly because of the by committee design that a lot of products have to go through. And in the way that they see anime is this antithesis where there is more focus on not like what the identity of the hero is. Uh, like Luffy, for example, but more, what does Luffy do? How does Luffy overcome whatever challenges come his way? And same thing with a lot of different anime. So I'm curious, uh, what is it that you guys are seeing uh, happening today today where people are being drawn to anime, do you see something potentially negative here that uh, maybe well-intentioned Western media is going to be ignored because uh, people will think like, oh, maybe they're going to do something just for the sake of uh, making it diverse, so I'm just going to stick with uh, the uh, tried-and-true anime, which still has, according to them, more traditional concepts. So I don't know who wants to take that first. I have Uh, a theory on that. Well, let's go. Okay, let's go. Max, then Geo, and then Richmond. So Max, any thoughts on that?
2: So the question is, what do I think the ultimate result of that sort of going towards more pure? Puritan is a bit of a strong word, but you know what I mean. Going more in that direction when it comes to the art that we produce. Is that what you're asking? It would be more going towards. Not so
0: much purity, but more about the audience. more about what exactly is the audience going to be uh, go- go- going to be looking towards in Western media in comparison to anime, where they're afraid that now a lot of, and again, I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about specifically people who are not a big fan of a lot of uh, heavily inserted, woke stuff in western media right like, okay. like what are they going to be doing regarding western media now are they gonna give up on it and go right into anime or is there any way of kind of salvaging like getting all those parts from anime that they like bring it back into western media kind of creating a happy medium or do I you see, think okay. or do you think they're completely wrong that the western media is j- doing just as well and they should embrace a lot of these concepts and not be bigots
2: um so i I see a couple things happening here Uh, first i think that when it comes to a lot of the stuff that people tend to get outraged over um it it sort of gets forgotten over there like a week or two because the news cycle is just so fast and so consistent that there's always something new happening and whatever we're outraged about like let's say I don't know the activision blizzard scandal right uh people will talk about how awful it is for a couple weeks but then in a few months when diablo immortal comes out they'll get it on their their phones right and start giving them money again that sort of thing um but then on the other side i do see people sort of putting their money where their mouth is and trying to go towards uh, products that don't embrace that type of as you say woke culture and if that's what they want to do and that's what the you know the the way the market goes then so be it I, i think that there are circumstances where it does go too far but then i also think that there are circumstances where people call things woke that aren't necessarily woke the devil's in the details right but as far as general trends i think it's one of those two it's either people just forget about it or they'll just go elsewhere and i think japan uh whether they get it from Japan or elsewhere, it, it's definitely one of the places where people can go to get sort of that that content that they desire. Yeah, mm. and the uh, Geo, I think that
3: uh, well, I'm I'm not a weeb myself, but I have many many friends, especially online, especially in the political right, who are weebs. and they've told me that. Um, and I've watched a few, you know, I've watched a JoJo, Zerk, uh, mm. um, but the, from what they tell me, it's that because japan is viewing the western world from the outside but yet is a very advanced some ways more advanced than us civilization and has a rich history and especially a rich um aesthetic sensibility so i've you know in academia i studied um because of my you know studies in in uh, zen buddhism and so forth i studied a lot of uh like aesthetic philosophy around um ink painting and no theater and uh and uh e woodcuts and you know as an artist myself so the japanese they have a very like very like nuanced aesthetic sensibility so when they take a lot of uh when anime became like popular um which is like from the beginning and sort of like a combination of western and and uh eastern influences right because i think it was like right around world war ii was like the first anime what was it called astro boy or yeah automata uh, zuka yeah 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 so When they take a lot of elements from uh, West, like, and let's face it, it's kind of cargo culted, you know, they'll take like aesthetic pictures of Western culture, either from Victorian England or um, various Christianized themes Mm. and so forth. They don't have the same degree of like history or judgment, the judgment that comes from history. And of course, people who narrativize Western history nowadays. So they have a very honest view of the beauty and the grandeur of these aesthetic templates so i think like western weebs that like watch anime it's so attractive to them because they're sort of like in a weird way getting um western culture like unfiltered without like the nonsense of we have to confront uh you know classism and racism and so forth in victorian england like jojo isn't that like from uh victorian england or some yeah that's start in
0: victorian england but uh, as far as confronting classes and racism, I think those are important things to uh, uh, keep in mind as well. But I understand what Gio, you're talking about in terms of yeah, get, so getting a like a pure, getting like more of a uh, I don't know if pure is the right word here, but I know Richmond. You grew up. Uh, I know that you grew up watching the Gundam franchise in the '90s. Would you say Gundam Wing, for example, was a big franchise for you growing up?
1: Um, I I wasn't super into Gundam Wing, but it was a big deal. It was very popular in Thailand when I was a kid, um, and actually in Asia, it was kind of regarded as like, oh, that's like the Gundam for girls. Like a,
2: a, a, a
1: lot. Of, it was a, um, yeah.
2: Well, I,
0: I knew but, a girl who had a g- tattoo of those two of a duo and uh, uh, what's his name Hero on her back, like a giant tattoo of them. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, but but really every, everyone was into it like a lot of um, I, I do you know a lot of young uh, ladies like the, the beautiful young men in the series uh, yes. but they also like the robots Gundam's always had a, a huge female mm. fan base um, and then yeah, the show was uh, real big in the US too it was for a lot of people it was uh, their ex- the first exposure uh, to to anime but um, again, well well the reason
0: I bring it up specifically is when I take a look at uh, uh, people like Trace Kusrinada, for example, here I'm looking at him up right now, here are some images of uh, good old Trace. And you look at the kind of uh, aesthetics that he has, you know, wearing this uniform with the uh, pauldrons and all that. And I'm not saying he's the only one, like going back to Char Osnabel, if I'm saying his last name correctly, from the original Gundam series. This was somebody who also dressed in this, kind of like Zex Marquis from Gundam Wing, somebody who dressed in this very elegant-looking outfit. And I think that the Geo's point here is kind of cemented with looking at these series, where they are able to take very beautiful aesthetics that may have been looked at today by... Uh, more of this uh, left-leaning academia as being, you know, part of the cis-white heteropatriarchy, they may be looking at them with fresher eyes and saying like, oh, like this is really beautiful, like the way these buildings are done, the Gundams themselves are evocative, at least to me, of sacred geometry and statues and things of that nature. And I think that there is a thirst that people have subconsciously for that kind of beauty, but do you think that that may be taking this a little bit uh, a little bit too far? What What do you think, Richmond?
1: It, it, taking what the uh, well, far, just I just mean.
0: the idea that people in their subconscious are seeing a lot of this uh, are are seeing a lot of objective standards of beauty and how the Gundams are done and how the outfits are displayed, like the.
1: Oh, okay. Um. I, uh, so first off, uh, I just I don't know, like the term woke is being used, like I. I I personally try to stay very far away from like uh, very ideological. Yeah. Good idea. (laughs) Like I just try. I I really have no interest in like people arguing left versus right uh, politics and and foisting that on 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 series like Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily about that. But, you know, something like Gundam obviously is highly uh, political. Um, So uh, like just taking a step back, you're talking about like, a lot of people get into anime because they feel like um, it's giving them something that they don't no longer get from uh, American culture, and yeah. they say like, "Oh, American culture is too woke." And so I'm—I don't yes. use that term. I, I really try to stay far away from that kind of. That's thing. completely fine, um, and it helps keep me sane. But I think what they're referring to, what you're getting at, is like, you know, they—they want to uh, just be able to like turn off their brains and enjoy something aesthetically. Um, not,
0: not exactly, I want to be very yeah. clear and I respect your position uh, here as far as avoiding a lot of that stuff uh, I want to be clear that when I'm talking about it, we can take politics as we could traditionally see them on Twitter aside, let's just throw the politics away when I'm talking about uh, woke or whatever word you want to use here what I mean is that there is beyond aesthetics, certain values that you would see in anime, for example the character not being based so much around who they identify is, their identity politics. Identity politics does not seem to be a strong factor in it. Instead, like I said with Luffy or these other, you know, shonen heroes, it's more about the kind of effort that they put into something, kind of like the opposite of, for example, a lot of boomers like to joke about, oh, our generations today, you know, they get uh, all these participatory trophies so it's a different kind of mindset that focuses i think more on what can i bring to the table what can i do to give satisfaction in my life from showing everybody around me that i am capable of not only pulling my weight but that i am capable of achieving greatness and that seems to be something that at least in the west you don't have to call it woke we could call it something else but that appears to be less Of a focus or at least that's how people are seeing it today that there's more of a focus on that within the anime world So I know Richmond if you would agree or disagree, but that seems to be where a lot of people are coming from here
1: Well, mm, I mean there's such a broad range of like anime out there that I mean you can find stuff That's very much about like a particular identity whether that's like an ethnic identity or or your job or I mean There's all sorts of stuff out there and um, i mean th- there's stuff that like the creators of these series if if you had it translated into english people could interpret it as being uh, woke or whatever i think maybe a big part of the issue is that a lot of this stuff um once it goes online it gets really like reductive and simplified and people are no longer talking about the thing they're 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 really thinking about certain people <laughs> that they've had a bad experience with and then sort of Relating, like they're like, oh, this person I know that is terrible likes this thing, and now I will like dislike that thing. Um, I think that's at the root of like what what a lot of people have issue with. But um, as far as sort of like uh, uh, the other thing about oh, the anime being about uh, uh, self motivation and self actualization and stuff. I, I do think that is uh, generally like just a really big theme in a lot of Japanese stuff uh, outside of the whole debate of like woke, whatever that means, uh, identity politics, whatever that politics, whatever that means to people. Um, I do think people do respond to uh, uh, these stories of these really like self-determined characters, um, and uh, I I guess like a lot of that comes from. Um, A lot of the most popular anime comes from manga. It's based off of manga, right? And uh, uh, so most of the most popular ones, like Demon Slayer, Dragon Ball, uh, uh, One Piece, Naruto, they come from Shonen Jump, right? Which is the most popular comic book periodical in the world. And just one of the most popular periodicals, period. Um, And their core values um, from the beginning have always been uh, friendship, effort, and victory. So those are uh, the core themes that they try to uh, promote in their comics. And and they're very broad about it it because they actually have like an incredible variety of content in there. But uh, generally, they do have these really popular series about people kind of getting through stuff through like sheer willpower. Mm -hmm. And that willpower aspect, I think a lot of people find that really appealing about a lot of anime. And even even as a kid. Uh, that's something I found really appealing about a lot of, um, you know, anime and manga and stuff is it's these characters were winning through their own efforts. And when I watched American stuff, even as a kid, I, I a lot of times I felt like a lot of American cartoons were a little bit too convenient. Like the bad guy would screw up. The bad guy would lose. Yeah. And then the good guys like through a stroke of luck would win. And I'd be like, I feel kind of cheated. Like they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, like, they didn't really win like, like, uh, And just my impression was I I felt like a lot of stuff was a bit patronizing, and the the reason the stories were like this is that um, it was very easy to tell, like in the 80s and 90s stuff that was meant for kids, they would stray away from certain topics, and they would really never put the characters in that much danger, danger, so... Where you know, whereas like uh, mm. anime, manga, like uh, Asian stuff in general, they, they they have no problem with child endangerment in media, <laughs> right? Like, yes, you know, kids go through all in this stuff, mm-hmm. and so I I think what people are responding to is just sort of um, that, that's pretty universal, right? O- outside of the whole debate of like woke politics, identity politics, I think they're just responding to uh, something uh, uh, very appealing on a very base instinct that. Um, that has been reduced in a lot of American media, but I, I, I think it's coming back, you know, and mm-hmm. I I, do, I think there's a lot of cool American productions now, too. And even as a kid, I, I liked a lot of American shows, too.
0: One of my favorites, by the way, and I want to go to Max, but one of my favorite shows recently uh, for uh, Adult Swim is uh, Smiling Friends. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but I see. I, smi- I,
1: I heard that was great. Yeah.
0: Well, I see Smiling Friends as being an antithesis of a lot of this very... How do I say it? And I like Rick and Morty, too. But Rick and Morty has this very nihilistic approach to life. And it seems like Smiling Friends is the opposite of that. And a lot of the... uh, I wouldn't say just Shonen. I would say Shoujo does it in a different way. Shoujo... And that's another interesting thing, by the way. And I don't want to go, again, fully uh, uh, identity-based here. But I think that anime and manga, they are able to say, like, you know what even though there's kind of like a mix, like you say Sailor Moon, for example, is sort of a mix in the anime, there are certain things that guys would be into, you know, like uh, younger boys, there are certain things men would be into, there are certain things women would be into, and that's okay, and if you're a guy, you could be into the shojo as well, but still, there's no problem with saying that, you know, people kind of go with their own thing, and, you know, that's, that's all good, and That is something that I think is also uh, lacking today, where, like you said, to put it even further to, let's say, what uh, Max, I think, uh, may talk about a little bit more, is that there are certain archetypes, like the Jungian archetypes in history, that people want to strive towards, which is why I think we had various ceremonies back in the day of uh, boys becoming men, where they had to go through some kind of a trial, some kind of a ritual, and come out the other end, And uh, now they've uh, grown, they've achieved something. And I think too much online today, people are spending time trying to be validated without doing something that would earn that uh, validation through their own effort. And my hope is that that's going to change as well, that we're going to figure out ways of... Getting a lot of younger kids to feel that sense of satisfaction. Because I think no matter how much you compliment them, again, like you said, patronize, no matter how much you patronize people, it's not going to be the same. They have to feel that sense of something that they earned. And uh, I think anime well, I is think, something that kind uh, of goes to that. Yeah.
3: No, I think it's because um, anime, they do have such a large plethora of different creators and different uh, subgenres. That it's the sort of like issue of like what representation and whether it's forced upon certain productions in the West. I think like they've largely done a good job of it. Another thing, uh, like like for example, um, what you were describing, Richmond is almost because uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, I'm not a like I'm not big in anime, but I'm a huge fan of Japanese wrestling, like um, and it's it's similar to what the the whole like uh, strong style around uh, they call fighting spirit like Tukon. Where it's like you take punishment, you come up. It's like that. It's got that sort of um, storyline that comes from Japanese folklore. It's very similar. But I think like when it comes to anime, the fact that um, like you were saying, Gundams have a huge uh, female fan base. I think like in, in some ways, it's good that like pro wrestling in Japan, like a lot of other things that are traditionally in the West slotted as like young male like uh, orientated. The fact that, like, they are kind of, like, open to having a, a wide variety of of an audience from, like, young and old men, women, so forth. I think, like, they manage to avoid a lot of, like, the um, issues that come with certain cultural uh, products that are slotted in the West as, like, you're largely, like, young male type of thing. Like, you know, cartoons or wrestling or whatever. Like, I think... Yeah, so they've managed to sort of like avoid a lot of the problems with like this studio in the west having to like put this amount of representation like it's a quantifiable thing. Cuz like from the beginning they've had like female creators in Japan and so forth. Like what what's the uh what's that one genre called that's predominantly for young women? Call uh, uh shojo. Uh, shoujo. Shojo. Shojos, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So it's like yeah, it's it's a no I think it's because it's not really a big deal in Japan. Like I mean Japan let's face that like you don't want to like exoticize them they do have like a lot of like political issues when it comes to um female representation but you know for the most part yeah
0: Mm. And there are problems like with the hikikomori people who are just yeah. uh, you know living without interacting with society. But, but, but the wanna...
3: aesthetic it feeds into that as well. Like you have. Uh, well,
0: I, I do want to get yeah. into that with uh, Max.
2: So I want to bridge the talk oh, about did a video on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's messed up. Speaking of hikikomori I want to go over to Max. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so hey, we're all there, brother. Yeah. We're so if you notice the uh, if you notice the cover of the thumbnail, I
0: have uh, the uh, one of the main characters from. Xeno gears. Uh, what, what, what's her name? Uh, uh, Elahim? El, yeah, Elahim or Ellie for short. And you could see like she's in a very provocative pose and she's wearing the kind of outfit, you know, that would make anybody blush where she has almost like these leather straps over here that make her breasts, you know, look, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, very much in your face. And that's accepted and it's been accepted in a lot of different anime as well, you know, going all the way back to Gunbuster. I know, Richard, if you're a fan of Gunbuster
1: oh yeah <laughs>
0: yeah that's a I, I that's a the, good one yeah gun, gun and, he, and even there, like they were wearing these very I, impractical outfits of like these uh like these bi- bikini bottoms with uh uh these gaps you know these stra- I, straps in them I,
1: I i i watched that with my mom when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and i had no idea there would be all those yeah there's a lot of like yes You know, fan service mm-hmm. like full nudity and i was remember i was like maybe 11 or 12 i was like oh my god this is so awkward mm. but she, she enjoyed it yeah and um i i think maybe that's that's kind of relevant to this conversation is um so a lot of this, this stuff that does get politicized in america now I, I think a lot of it comes down to uh just people in japan and okay i i'm not japanese so i can't speak of japan authoritatively but i can speak about a broader Asian culture. I grew up in uh, Thailand. My mom's originally from Taiwan. I spent several years there. And just in general, I think people are more laid back about like what people watch. Like my dad was like, he took me to see RoboCop when I was five. That movie is terrifying. Mm. Right. <laughs> but um, that generation, like, you know, they were just like, yeah, just what you know, it's just a movie. Right. And so um, I mean, within reason. Right. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think just generally people are a bit more relaxed about um, just having fun and and watching stuff and um, I, so and 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 then I think of what people call like identity politics or stuff now uh, pe- people are more sensitive to content I'd say in America than than they are in, in Asia, broad, very, very broadly speaking.
0: Mm-hmm. But do you think it's also... Well, I, I want to get Max to speak here. I know, Max, you don't have a lot of time, so I want to get even deeper with this particular concept of even something like the skimpy dressed anime girl, for instance. So in shoujo, you have a very different aesthetic. You have a lot more, let's say, frillier dresses for women, and the guys have a lot more of this kind of like androgynous face, but it's also kind of sharp. And in the shonen anime and in seinen, you would have women who are you know very voluptuous a lot of times, and like we said before with Ellie there. So, what can you say beyond just uh, you know this very base fan service idea of oh look you know boobies and all, all, all that stuff? What can you say beyond that? Maybe going on here with why a lot of guys, in particular are very much into this anime kind of like semi-niotenous aesthetic with like these big eyes and these very accentuated i mean the accentuated features i get but then you have the big eyes and then you have this kind of like sharp chin going on so from what you were able to see what do you what do you think is going on there at le, like maybe a deeper primordial youngian level if you will i don't know if i can Put Jungian archetypes and the big-eyed anime girls together, but I'm gonna try. I don't know.
2: Is there something a there?
3: Which of women love?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I will say, basically, what I just said at the very beginning. You get with anime uh, this desire to tackle certain complex subjects that you really just don't get in any other form of Western media. Like, take Ghost in the Shell for example. Like, what the closest thing that I think we have gotten to Ghost in the Shell in the West is The Matrix, which The Matrix attributes a lot of his existence to the existence of Ghost in the Shell. But even with The Matrix, it doesn't go to the philosophical and psychological depths that Ghost in the Shell does, because I guess they just have to dumb it down for a Western audience, which is just too bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because to go to what Richmond said before, the Japanese anime, they it's based around sort of catering to those niche markets. While well, those niche markets also exist in the West and because we can't get any of that in the West, we have to go to Japan to uh, get those types of stories. Um, but th- that actually, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask Richmond a question uh, on, sure. on that subject. Why, obviously business is a large part of our uh, anything that goes along with art. And when you produce art, you have to make a profit in order to make sure that you can do more. Why, what is it about anime uh, that makes it possible for them to cater to these smaller audiences, these niche audiences, and oh, yeah. continue to true. continue to be able to produce them. I, oh, I, I just don't understand. I can yeah. tell you
1: exactly what it is. It's it. They're made with smaller budgets. Um, so the, the, there, there is an American director that actually uh, um, has uh, uh, the, the director of uh, Tech on King Creek. uh Sorry, his name escapes me right now. Give me one second.
0: Okay. Hmm. Tekken Concrete, Um, I believe, was also uh, written by uh, an American, I think, uh, unless I'm mistaken. So the
1: the, the source comic is by uh, uh, Tayo Matsumoto, uh, Mm -hmm. and it it was released in America as Black and White originally. Mm -hmm. Awesome comic. I I loved it. And the movie was very good, too. The director, his name is uh, Michael Arias, and he was an editor in America. I think he worked in like Hollywood, maybe TV Mm -hmm. production, went to Japan, worked in Japanese productions, eventually got into anime and years ago he gave an interview someone asked him the same question like oh how, how do they have so much variety and he said well it's a cottage industry the budgets are really small people get paid very little uh, but because of that uh, they have more freedom so a lot of people choose uh, basically it's like a trade off right like less budget more freedom more mm. the less money is put into it the more more of a risk you can take mm.
0: kind of like with hentai for example where it would be very <laughs> No, but it would be very low budget and, uh, you know... So it can
3: appeal to a large variety of fetishes. But it's
0: also interesting the way that it's done where just not only a hentai but an anime in general, you would have certain shots that uh, are incredibly well-drawn and very detailed (laughs) and very animated, but then you would have other ones that are very, uh, you know, still. Like, they know where exactly to put in the detail, like a Akira, for example. You know, you would have a lot of shots that are breathtaking, you know, like the motorbike ride. And then you would have other ones where it's just like a still a still character just moving their mouth. And, you know, it comes from, like, limited animation, but smart limited animation.
1: Well, I, 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 Akira is actually, um, Akira is like always animating, but, but other anime by and large uh, is often very still. Sometimes it's for budgetary reasons, but sometimes it's very deliberate. Like in Mamoru Oshii films, uh, he has a lot of scenes where it's a character from the back talking. And uh, some people like to say, oh, it's to save money. But like, no, that's just, if he wanted to, he could have told someone to animate it more fully. It's just he likes these still uh, shots. So a lot, a lot of times it's like a stylistic mm. thing, too.
0: Well, in Xenogears, that was not the case. Like, uh, Max, you know that the second part of Xenogears, and I'm not going to do any spoilers, but uh, <laughs> they had people, you know, because it was... a. Uh, over budget, the only way they could get away with continuing on the story, even though I think the producer wanted to say, you know what, part one, let's just end it right there. They said, no, we have this complete story, so let's just have the characters sit down in their little chair and narrate what exactly is happening and then go right into the boss battles for every scenario they described. And, uh, you know, they made the best of it. I mean, I think it could have been done way better if they did have the time and budget. But again, like Richmond was talking about, these are things that have to be uh, balanced out. But beyond the anime girls, because I know it's uh, 48 and I you have to leave very soon, Max. I want to get as much as possible of your perspective on the deeper aspects of anime. On, the, on what exactly you think may be going on subconsciously with people who are observing some of the more highbrow works? Like, what are some of, some of the concepts that you were able to get from something like Gears, Metal Gear Solid, certain things you think are going to be coming up much more often
2: in our times today? Hmm. Well, uh, that's... Oh, man, it's, it's such a difficult question. Uh, well, what are some of the m- more popular animes? What are some of the ones that are more revered uh, that be... Evangelion, uh, manga, be Berserk, Hmm. a lot of them deal with these really old ideas that sort of sit at the basis of our cultures. And I think that's part of the reason why so many of the forms of Japanese media that I've consumed, be it video games, anime, uh, a lot of them deal with concepts that originated in the West, you know, Evangelion, it's the Hebrew Kabbalah, same thing with Xenogears, Gnosticism and the Hebrew Kabbalah, Uh, Silent Hill, which, you know, I'm huge on that dealt with a lot of Christian concepts. And those concepts sit at the basis, the foundation of those games, but then they're expanded upon in all these creative ways. Whereas with, if you could contrast that with some of the stuff that we get in the West today, Western media, it's a lot more postmodern, and you know they're they're like going beyond sort of the standards to try and tread new territory. That there, there's utility in that, and there is some good postmodern media, but sometimes it's good to rely on those things that have fascinated us for centuries to produce media. And I think like, the creators of anime, manga, games, whatever, realize that, and they like american weeps is sort of like the reverse of them they go into our culture expand upon it and make great things out of it whereas it doesn't seem to be so much the inverse uh hopefully th- does that answer your question oh, yeah. at all? okay
0: no definitely
3: well, there, uh, there's it some good postmodern like in Western cartooning, I mean, Duckman is a good example. Mm. Courage, Cowardly Dog had, like, a lot of... Yeah, well, these
0: are great, but these are are all old now. Like, what would you say would be today uh, good examples of uh, Western media going uh,
2: as deep as uh, it can? Well, as far as a cartoon goes, uh, like, the the only... Like, I watched Avatar The Last Airbender recently, but even then, that's sort of very inspired by certain Japanese ideals. When when it comes to that type of content creation, Mm. as far as profound Western media, uh, I can't really say that I find that in the realm of animation, unfortunately. But you do see it uh, from time to time in movies in games. Like, for example, one of my favorite games of the last five years is a game called Control uh, by Sam Lake. He's the guy who did Max Payne and Alan Wake, Quantum Mm. Break. Uh, He deals with a lot of those really profound ideas and created a masterpiece out of it. But uh, those seem to be more the exception rather than the rule because, you know, we're still getting mm. yearly releases of Assassin's Creed. And, you know, EA is still a company and crap like that. So. <laughs> yeah.
3: And
0: there is also uh, there is also this idea that there is an Eastern Western uh, philosophical divide. Do you think that something like the anime and video games we mentioned is bridging it in a way because it's able to bring in all these concepts like what so what would you say and this would be like an entire philosophical discussion that would take hours and hours so there's no way i expect any of us here to be able to shrink it down but if you can in brief say what do you see as being this intellectual philosophical synthesis of east and west that you've seen presented uh how would you describe it in short The synthesis of... Various philosophical concepts, like you would Um, see for... Yeah.
2: I I don't really understand what it is that you're asking. Okay, so
0: for example, in uh, Xenogears, where they had references to the uh, Kabbalah, and they had references to Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there were certain, you know, Eastern things that relate to that as well, if we're talking about... Buddhism as if we're talking about Tantra if we're talking about like all these different mystery traditions Mm, So so what I'm trying to figure out here is do you see there being something at the heart of both the things that a lot of the eastern mystics were uh yearning for were meditating on and a lot of these concepts like do you okay yeah i understand what you're saying now yeah
2: and this is where like i know you've been trying to pull it out of me this entire time but now i can actually start talking about Jung. see i think what made Jung so fascinating to a lot of people is he was trying to find the cultural um No, not necessarily just the cultural, but the patterns that are consistent cross-culturally when it comes to the things that we value, uh, concepts in religion, concepts in culture, the way that we act. And he synthesized them into this work where he said that the, the one thing that sort of connects all of us is... The collective unconscious of human beings and we sort of interpret the archetypes that lay at the foundation of that unconscious in different ways though they come out different in detail they're the same in pattern and he was trying to identify what those patterns were cross-culturally i think with works like xenogears where they try to unify eastern and western concepts together those tend to be the most profound because it's the ones that unify us uh and don't push us away based on our differences i hope that if there's any sort of way forward where we're not being bogged down by all these things that we were talking about before like uh quotas and wokeness and all that it's going to be the things that are similar between our cultures mm-hmm. um, hopefully if more games like xenogears can come out or more movies that
0: uh, yeah well- well, I could uh, take it one step further. I would say that one of the big things, and I know, uh, Gio, uh, being Christian, you may disagree on this, like being the ultimate ultimate, but I do see the concept of no self, even if it's interpreted in different ways, as being something that a lot of these are reaching, uh, reaching towards. So the idea that everything that we are experiencing is one thing that's experiencing itself in the quote-unquote illusion, Of being these separate entities that are interacting with each other and how there's this alchemical marriage of male and female energies that ends up with the realization that these two energies even though they are split apart they are actually one thing that's experiencing itself while at the same time it is in a way ego-defeating to have something like the uh, Shonen examples of striving towards greatness. Because in a way you're not striving towards greatness by having everybody tell you how good you are, but it's by your actions. And in that way I think even though there are a lot of examples of egotistical people, you are able to get out of yourself by doing things for others. And that is how you end up becoming great. So you're not just fully entrenched in me, me, me. What do I want? What do I need? So I see there being a certain uh, a certain quality there that a lot of these animes and uh, video games express. But I know Richmond. I don't know if you've studied Buddhism or uh, any of these uh, philosophical concepts, but I'm curious in uh, your take on this uh, as well.
1: Uh, sure. So, uh, wh- wh- what is the question exactly? Like, the, well, uh, do yeah?
0: you do you see a uh, unification going on with uh, these examples of uh, the anime and video games with let's say, Western Mystery School traditional concepts and uh, Eastern concepts as well. Are oh, we sure. are we getting to the truth here? An objective truth through the...
1: Uh... <laughs> I, I don't know about an objective truth, but I, I do think it's very natural for cultures to cross-pollinate. That, that's just how people have always been. I think, it, by and large, to, through the centuries, people are curious about other cultures and, uh, you know, people incorporate uh, ideas uh, back, back and forth. Right. It, it's mm. it's a virtuous cycle. Um, and of course, nowadays, uh, uh, that's very like sped up, like the whole cycle of that is, is super sped up with the Internet. Yeah. Um, so I think today it really just depends on the person. I think some people uh, if you know, some people find this thing that they're yearning for, and they'll 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 you know like find a new piece of themselves in this media. I think most people already have uh, pretty set values, and then they take stuff, and then they sort of like just sort of push it into something that they already believe. And uh, I, I think, for instance, uh, that's what a lot of the, these online conflicts are about. It's about people um, taking something and then sort of forcing it into a certain you know just 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 kind of pigeonholing it like this is the only way it, it should be interpreted um and and so yeah, yeah. I, I think but, that's leads to a lot of the but what makes
3: uh, but what's what makes anime within um not just in japan but like the context of asian culture in general um i mean when you say something like asian culture i mean that's like such a huge like universe right like mm-hmm. but um is 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 anime even popular in Do they allow it in China now, or is that? Uh, oh, it's huge! It's hugely in China? popular.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if, I mean, like you'll hear about them banning Death Note or something because yeah. kids are writing names in a book, but but uh, <laughs> yeah. they'll kids will yeah. find it. Yeah, they'll bootleg they'll it. Find they'll find a way. To it. Yeah. It. yeah, they'll find a okay. way to watch it. Well, I'm surprised well, they haven't banned
0: it? One Piece. You know, burning the world government flag and all that. Oh, you know? there
3: you but, go. You know? But like, what makes anime um attractive to people as an actual legitimate and mature cultural medium that appeals to like the way that movies appeal to like most age ranges in the west like why is it that in the sort of like occidental mind we slot it like animation as like that's what kids watch that's kid Mm -hmm. shit right but like what makes it different in asian culture like we're anime is given a respect to convey very deep uh topics that span a variety of danger ages like here when people like look at weebs they're like oh that's like your arrested development sort of thing like you know you have some kind of disorder but like you you know what i mean but like in asia it's much different like it's kind of like yeah yeah Yes, so
1: so I I can speak from the perspective of someone who um, grew up between America and Thailand. I also spent some time in Taiwan. I I have family in China. Uh, So I've been around um, East Asia, Southeast Asia. Um, And in all of these places, ever since I was a kid, anime and manga have been super, super mainstream. Um, So it's never really been regarded as like foreign. Right. Like, uh, I mean, like, people know it's from Japan, but um, so part of it is the underlying culture. There's a lot of similarities. Like, Thailand is a Buddhist country. Japan is, uh, you know, pretty Buddhist. There are different sects of of Buddhism. Thailand is uh, Theravada Buddhism. Exactly. And, and, uh, you know, Japan's more uh, Mahayana, Chan Buddhism, Uh, but there's underlying similar values. Chopstick eating cultures are going to have, like, similar. Uh, values already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, oh, sorry, hold on, gotta turn off this. Okay. Oh, no um, Everybody subscribe
0: so, for that water faucet. I'm sure it's a good
1: one. Yeah, um, so, uh, I mean, I, a part of it is just getting anime earlier. Uh, I, I, just about everyone got anime earlier than America, actually. And I think a big yeah. part of that is that America has such a powerful, homegrown entertainment complex in hollywood mm-hmm. and it's been exporting that worldwide for so long um whereas other places uh you know uh, even even europe uh middle east they they got a lot of anime like in, in uh, uh, late 70s early 80s you know um when i talk to friends uh uh from the middle east they'll know like future boy conan or mazinger mm-hmm. right like so a lot of it is like other places just got it earlier so it's just not regarded as 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 mm. foreign but then, uh, you're talking about um wh- why is it that people just don't see cartoons as childish um so i mean obviously like there are uh, otaku everywhere and when people take it too far like you know people are going to be like oh man like that, that's too much <laughs> right yeah. so there, there's going to be like people who take it too far it's not as if like it's a hundred percent like you're never going to be called like a nerd but but in general um I would say in Asia, like manga tends to be more mainstream. Uh, So uh, especially in the 80s and 90s, like it was just really easy to just pick up a comic and read it. And it just wasn't weird. Like my dad Mm. bought me my first copy of Dragon Ball. I had no idea what it was. He saw it and he was like he immediately he's like, oh, that's that's so That's the monkey King, right? Mm -hmm. there's a journey to the West folklore. Yeah, he was like, oh, I know what that is. And he, he bought it for me and I loved it. I had like uh, aunties that would recommend just random, really funny, sometimes wow. not even age-appropriate manga to me because they're like, <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. you need to read this. Um, yeah, this is so, a
0: oh, copy of Bible Black over here. yeah, it's <laughs> funny
1: <laughs> not quite that bad, but I, I did I did read Trying Freeman uh, way before I should have, but but it was awesome. As a kid, you're like, oh my god, like this is amazing. Um, so I, I think it's a combination. really, it's accessibility. Um, like yeah. like in Thailand, in Thailand, when I was a kid, everything was just bootlegged and it was super cheap and super accessible, um, and you, you could just buy it at every newsstand. Um, so there was just no barrier to entry there. Um, anime was harder to get, right? Because you had to like buy it on tape or subscribe to some expensive satellite channel. The manga was like everywhere. Um, so I, I think it's just number one is accessibility. Number two, um, I, I do think this is a generalization, but I think Asian cultures tend to be more relaxed about just letting people have their hobbies. You know, Mm. not like you just have your thing and you don't Mm. need like everyone to agree with your thing. Like a lot of people are happy just to have their thing on their own. Mm.
0: Well, I want to make sure that before max goes, since right now it's 12 Oh four, is there any final question you would want to ask Richmond?
2: Um, yes. Uh, you probably won't have, uh any like this is kind of a complicated question so no problem if you can't answer it but like obviously there are people in the West we call them weebs because they're interested yeah. in Japan and obviously yeah. there's the inverse uh people who are interested uh in, in Japan in the East who are interested in the West I'm just wondering like you and I have noticed this propensity to put these really esoteric Western religious concepts into games. What was Xenogears? What was Silent Hill? What with uh, all the anime that we mentioned before? I'm just wondering, like, if there's something beyond just a general interest in Western culture to that, like why it seems to be so ubiquitous in all these types of fiction that we're talking about.
1: Um, I... I think what you said about young is actually super relevant. I, I think um, it, people when they have access to a lot of information. So I think if, if creators, right? Let's talk about creators, uh, not your average fan, but like the people creating this stuff. Um, they, they, the creators that we like, because uh, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is highly curated, right? Like, it. We're talking about the classics, right? So we're we're talking about a very narrow band of anime. Like there there's some absolute like just brainless anime out there that, that sure. you know would not stir our spirits uh, we're not talking about those we're talking about the very uh the ones that are you know very artistic but but also fun um so i think those creators that we are drawn to um because you know we like a lot of the same stuff silent hill like ghost in the shell you know these these really thoughtful things they're made by thoughtful people and and thoughtful people are curious about other cultures Right, you'll you'll read about people from other cultures. You'll read about different religions, different mythologies, different philosophies, and and then um, notably, like like what you were saying about young, you will notice like oh, you know, I can sort of tie this back to something from my own culture, or or go you know tie it back to something I feel uh, deeply personally. Um, so I, I think that's actually really natural. I think it's a natural consequence of going out and you know, reading about the Bible or, uh, you know, uh, reading about Gnosticism and, and just relating it to your own experience. And um, I, I think like sometimes people call that like cultural appropriation. And, and right. I, I don't think, uh, and I, I think that Lev, that's probably one of the things you were like referring to, right? Like, oh, you're not supposed to take stuff from other cultures. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're genuinely curious, uh, y- you can do it in a meaningful mm. way and it'll just end up being respectful cuz you know you, you well, well that's you, been you all of really history
0: I mean, that's been all of history. For example, we had a conversation recently about how uh, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, took so much of the uh, Persian uh, culture, so much of the Iranian culture. Mm -hmm. Heraclitus, for example, he was living in what was part of the Persian Empire at the time when he was formulating his philosophy. So this is, I think, how uh, real growth happens. And the opposite of that would be having these very split-apart circles that never interact with each other. But the other interesting thing thing before max goes that i wanted to touch on is i mentioned when you were asking like which particular anime would uh, uh i'd be interested in talking about today the gundam franchise which is uh, zeka tactics please look it up um i have it here on the uh, board so you guys could see the beautiful designs these are based off uh the uh, gundams in a way but also another concept in g- the uh, gundam series which i don't know if it's another anime as well it's a uh, new type and And there was even a magazine, I think it's still around, called New Type Magazine, which is a popular magazine about anime. The concept of a new type is you have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you have a person who goes away from the Earth and who, through the virtue of living in space, starts getting extrasensory abilities. So... I'm just curious, uh, Max, if you were aware of that particular concept of... Uh, I know that you were introduced to anime quite recently, but is this also a theme that you see recurring? People, when they disconnect from something that they've been in, like, any kind of cycle, they start getting certain superpowers, if you will. They start seeing life in a, in a different way, and it's almost like Gundam's point was that people would start developing this more and more and more. And in a way, humanity is changing into something greater than it was
2: before. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh I'd say, well, the only two anime that I think I've watched that sort of approach that type of subject are Evangelion and Serial Experiments Lane. Uh, Ooh, um, lame, I'm sure. Yeah. The, yeah. I'm sure there are ty- a bunch of other ones that do that, um, but I've yet to watch them. It's like, I mean, Ghost in the Shell does that as well, but I haven't actually watched Standalone Complex yet, even though I really want to. I've only seen the two movies that Oshii did. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely to uh, Richmond's point. And thank you for answering my question, man, that there is this general interest that people like us are, are drawn to, which is sort of uh, a heightening and enlightening of the human condition to try and transcend what we are now and to see which places we can go. And... Our interests seem to revolve around the the same material, so uh, I suppose because anime tends to focus more on those subjects in Western media, that's probably why. Um, but yeah, I have to watch more. Uh, I'm I'm anticipating like when I watch standalone complex and Ergo Proxy and mm. all those types of animes, I'll be able to get that.
0: Another one that was mentioned right now by Buck Pucker, <laughs> that's a funny name, is uh, Guren Ger- <coughs> Lagann. So, oh, Gar- yeah,
2: that's another one people have been recommending to me a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: And in the it's way it awesome takes – yeah. I'm not going to spoil the plot, but I don't think this does spoil the plot to say that it takes the concept of what you are able to also see in the Super Sentai series, you know, which are Power Rangers for the people mm-hmm. in the West, where you have a – or Gundam or Evangelion, where you have a human being that goes into the robot. And then the robot in Gurren Lagan goes into another robot and another robot and another robot and just starts growing like this uh, Russian Matryoshka doll. And I <laughs> and I find that to be a very fascinating concept in terms of looking at it through a spiritual lens, where in a way we are these Multi layered beings, and there is, you could say, like the inner part of us, like you know, people refer to that as the third eye, you know, or the heart, you know, the heart chakra that's sometimes being used as an example of it, like this inner core of who you are. And then you have all of these other layers, this armor where you end up forging your identity through what you look like uh, in, in an exterior sense. And I just find that to be a very interesting uh, very interesting concept. And even the challenging of... I mean, this is the first episode. It's not going to spoil anything, where the uh, main character there says that the entire heavens are against us. And it's this entire hmm. battle that's going to happen of these epic proportions. I don't really know what else I could say to that. This is not even a question. It's more of just a comment of yeah. how much you can stretch this need that I think humans have to prove themselves on the big stage and to develop all of these outward layers that, you know, you could just say, oh, it's just fancy costumes, but there is something about it that I think, uh, again, goes to the human need to validate themselves through self-improvement, through the satisfaction of knowing I did as much as I could, I put as much effort as I could into growing as a human being and you could see the result of my growth this is also why i think a lot of people online right now are starting to well not a lot but some people online are starting to get into more fitness eating better living better even if they don't have good role models for it
3: sunning their balls yeah
0: there. sunning their balls they want to strive <laughs> to be this like human gun them in a way so i don't know that's all i got to say about that and max i know you have to go i have a yeah. couple Speaking of questions
3: max you must you must uh, move on from Young and go right to uh, Rene Guignon. You must read Guignon, oh, Max. How do, uh, g- how do you spell that? How do you spell? Yeah, Rene, a- G U E N O N. There you go. Oh my God, we're going gotcha. Answer-
2: okay.
0: Yeah, there we go. Oh, this is going to be very well. Bad Renee, now. he talks. <laughs> well, he talks about a lot of. Uh, 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 per, uh, He's
3: like the next esoteric step up from.
0: Yes. Biology, yes. Exactly. So well, go. he talks okay. about perennialism, the idea that uh, history is this uh, cycle. We go through several different ages. We go through the golden age, silver age, bronze age and uh, the metal age and that's another interesting thing where some people would say that we're living in an age of prosperity other people would say that we're living in an age of spiritual bankruptcy and as (laughs) a result we're living in the lowest of all the ages i don't know i don't know if it's exactly like that i think that people are just becoming too blackpilled by living in a lot of comfort where they don't feel like they can strive as much as they would have been forced to strive in the past and i am kind of curious richmond from your perspective and we don't just have to focus on anime, but I think anime is kind of a part and parcel of this as well. Do you think that there was also something to the environment of Japan and the environments that people live in that make them gravitate towards certain things more than others? So, for example, Japan was a small, relatively isolated island, even though they did have influence from uh, mainland China. Do you think that there was something about the environment and about the certain hurdles that uh, the Japanese people had to go through where it does go hand in hand with the kind of content they ended up creating. Can can any bridge be drawn there, you think?
2: Um, I mean, before, sorry, ooh. before you answer that question, I just want to say goodbye. I got to go. All right, so. Max, thank you so yeah. much for yeah, coming in. Great, Always a great, great pleasure. Great please
0: please check out Max Durat's YouTube channel. Amazing content. Looking at all of the uh, deeper meanings of a lot of these various video games. Please check it out. You will not be disappointed. Max Derrett, one of my favorite guests yeah. of all time. Thank you so much, buddy, for coming in
2: once again. All right, bless you guys. Thanks for having me again, Richmond. Good to meet for you for the past yeah, four years, years on this. Yeah.
0: Yes, take care. So, so yes, I'm curious, uh, Richmond. Uh, what do you make of this? Do you see? Do you see a connection?
1: I mean, when you create something like you can't help but reflect something of your experience and your culture in there. Um, that that's that's such a huge uh, question, but um, let me see. So. You're you're talking about what is it about the history of like Japan that that sort of like is yes, like hist- coming through the yeah media? history of
0: Japan culture of Japan uh, the kind of let's say pressure that uh, Japanese people may have been under living in this kind of feudal environment like do you see any connection between that and what ends up happening afterwards with uh, anime and the uh, video games
1: I'm I'm actually gonna maybe come at it from a different angle um so i i'm not a japanese historian i'm not i'm not japanese so i cannot Mm -hmm. speak authoritatively on the culture but um so so a a lot of what people respond to in anime and manga like what we've been talking about is like oh you know like this these stories about like effort and struggle and self-actualization which is great but i i think those themes are present in every culture every culture has stories like that Um, I think what people are responding to in Japan is that they have uh, a very long history of storytelling actually uh, uh way before anime right uh, way uh, you know the word manga is is like hundreds of years old it just means like irresponsible pictures um, <laughs> Japan uh speaking of
0: irresponsible col- pictures so yeah, <laughs> the-
1: okay. mm. um so so i th- I think uh the reason they have such a sophisticated storytelling culture is that they had a culture of reading for leisure uh for 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 a long time uh because print uh, was more widespread in east asia earlier um the, the you know the earliest mass printing is from china you know it spread to the rest of east asia um and then uh i'm i'm generalizing a ton But I I think in the Western world, a lot of print was more academic, more religious, more, uh, you know, for the upper class. Whereas in uh, Asia, well, East Asia, in China, in Japan, um, you had like a commercial leisure print culture. So people were reading novels for fun and they were collecting uh, essentially comics. You know, a lot of these things uh, were really similar to comics, very visual. They, they they have like hundreds of years of that so i think uh stuff that we associate with modern uh culture modern pop culture uh consuming commercial media i i think that's been around a bit longer um in a, a relatable form in east asia that would be my theory there because I, mm-hmm. I i think every culture actually has those desires for self-actualization and for that kind of story and i, I think uh, it's just it's the, 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 the storytelling, actually, is what people are relating to. The very sophisticated, very fun, and engrossing storytelling. The way that it's uh, told is, is uh, the distinction there, even more than the message, I think. Is there also some uh, reason you
0: think that a lot of the, even the expressions that we see, not even in anime, but in a lot of these old-school <clears throat> Japanese prints, let me even see if I have certain examples of these, that while it is similar to let's say prints from uh, China, for example, there is something in the faces. And again, I don't know if it's just uh, my uh, my bias speaking here, but there is something in the faces that is very cartoon-like. And I don't know if that's yeah. the right uh, phrase to use. For example, this print I, I just found it online right now. So you have, for example, this very mm, this very serious-looking face of uh, of this gentleman over here. You know, with the uh, with the tiger. Let's see if I could zoom in on it. Yeah, so even something as simple as just having that mouth like that, there's something cartoon-like about that kind of thing. That's a hang
3: print, that's a Muko print, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, no,
0: it's Uta, Itugawa, Utagawa Kunimaru.
3: Yeah, but it's a woodcut print, though. It's, mm, yes. Or is it an actual painting? No, I think it is yeah, uh, I
0: think a it is a print.
3: But, yeah, 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 oh yeah, I can tell. yeah.
0: yeah. But, yeah, but I am curious, like, what do you make of these uh, very cartoony facial
1: expressions? Would there oh, have been a reason didn't... for those? So, I, first off, I think you can draw a direct line between modern manga and older Japanese art like oh, yeah. that. No like theater, it, it's, yeah. yeah. it's it's unbroken. I, I've, I've sometimes heard people call it, like, orientalism, like, oh, you can't relate to them. But, like, it's it's part of the culture. Yeah, There's that the aesthetic said, sensibility that's yeah. Part, yeah, and it's... It's, um, I'm going to quote an actual Japanese person like Hayao Miyazaki has written about this. Uh, if, if you, uh, he's got these great books. Um, I, I have them back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a starting point mm, yes. uh, is a collection of his essays. And then, uh, was it, the, there was a follow-up turning point, a really good collection of essays. Uh, he talks extensively about his aesthetic theory. And sometimes he gets into the difference between East and West. And one of the things he talks about is that he, he, he calls it, um, basically like the chopstick eating cultures, right? They, uh, uh, like Japan, uh, it, It's their history of art is very line-based. And he said Japan specifically, yes. uh, he said um, they culturally, like they love line art. He, he said he was even mm-hmm. tempted, he's tempted to say it might even be on like a, a biological level, <laughs> uh, but culturally they're really into line art. And in, in I'm paraphrasing, but he said basically like in you know, hundreds of years ago in Japan, they felt like they could express everything, the whole universe through line art. It didn't need to be like photo real. It didn't need, uh, they didn't care about like tone and exact pr- perspective. As much. Yeah.
3: No, well, that comes from China as well, which a lot of, a lot of very mm. ancient Japanese mm-hmm. art comes from China, especially oh, yeah. literati painting where uh, the whole, the whole purpose, I mean, tone, tone and figure is very much purposefully vague and abstract, Uh, not in the Western sense, but it's, it's part of, yeah, it's very part of their deep cultural tradition. When it comes to line art, like in, in the West, it was very much um, like, you know, Skafamato and various other techniques that were to replicate a three dimensional plane, but they just have a different spatiality towards art than we do. And, uh, you know, that's why, like, for example, to do the hair on, um, on, on a hanga is like very it takes immense skill to get those thin lines with the hanga knife right like i mean but they just have a different relation to space and to aesthetic sensibility than we do because here mm. it's very much like the presence the the sort of um the the sort of full embodiment of realism of high realism it has to be like you know it has to be a replication of three-dimensional space whereas there they don't have that same uh that seemed like a you know approach to it. they have a, a very different nuance towards what aesthetic, what mm. an aesthetic picture is right They have a different relation to space mm. in general so. well,
0: there was a, a study I recall i don 't recall which one where and i don 't think it was just with the Japanese people, but people from uh, East Asia they were shown in an aquarium scene, and they were asked like what are some of the things that you notice?" And when they had Western people who were commenting on the aquarium scene, they were primarily talking about the fish. But a lot of the uh, answers from uh, people of, uh, you know, from Asia was the entire scene, you know, like uh, the things in the background, how those interact with the fish. And I don't know if that was just a, again, just like a selective, like small study. But uh, Richmond, do you also notice, like even in uh, Thailand, for example, or in uh, China, do you notice uh, there may be a different way that the the world is seen through an artistic lens um
1: uh, i mean people just have different general aesthetic sensibilities uh and you, you could see that reflected in in traditional art and pop art um and i, I think nowadays uh, things are uh, everything's so cross-pollinated from a young age like everyone's all, already online so they get to see stuff from everywhere mm-hmm. um but but um uh, yeah, that's really interesting. What you said about that—the people observing different things, having a different uh, focus—if—if um, if, if I could tie it to classical art, I would say like uh, a good example. I think that's relevant to this conversation. Would be um, in, in China. A lot of the landscape painting—it uh, has a tradition of um, so Chinese landscapes are very, very highly abstracted, and they're yeah. they're, they're big, and they—it's uh, not about like. The photo realism of a certain shot, uh, a lot of the landscape, you're actually supposed to imagine yourself walking through it. You just kind of go through like one part at a time. Right. And so there's this tradition. It's almost like a video game. It's the ancient (laughs) equivalent of like, hey, here's a new level. Have you seen this new level of like, you know, take a look at the scroll, right? And then people have fun just like imagining themselves going through that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of the concepts come from Taoism as well. Yeah.
3: Well, like, it comes from the concept of Taoism where this, the landscape has to have um, a f- what they call, like, a free play of the landscape itself. Like, there's something that, uh, like, the vanishing point is purposefully diminished because, like, so in the West what they'll do, like, a lot of, uh, from the Renaissance onwards, right around the time landscape painting became its own thing, like, you'll take, like, studies or you'll go and do plein air where you'll directly, like, try to mimic landscape but from when i from when i studied when it comes to literati painting you're very much like you experience the landscape of a particular scene but you don't really focus on trying to replicate like this is where that tree was on mount Longhu. like it's very much like yeah it's imaginative for a reason because a lot of this art comes from spiritual practices they don't consider it as like an aesthetic like uh, individual work of art you know what i mean like mm. it's very it's very much integral to their whole um religious and philosophic traditions
0: well would, would it be yeah. similar by the way to this uh buddhist yeah uh, buddhist tapestries? yes yeah so over yeah. here this is a uh, this is an example of one of their trees here and we have all of these individual uh deities as well as uh monks from what I understand, mm. who have ascended to this uh, higher plane of existence. And I do see this also as being kind of like a video game level where you get to see all these different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you have also. What, yeah, I, yes. what I really but... like about these works is you also have like these little animals down in the bottom. People don't really pay that much attention to them, but this is kind of like the first level over here where you have all these animals and people who are <laughs> praying. And then. Yeah, a, lot of, just...
3: a lot of Buddhism, like in. Well, in Mahayana, like a lot of it. They incorporated like some of the uh, like indigenous practices of like countries like uh, Taiwan and Vietnam and so forth. Mm-hmm. Like they've incorporated a lot of their own mythologies. So you'll have like a lot of weird, like the Buddha next to a snake being. Yeah. Or a is, like, g- Garuda,
0: for example, that yeah, bird garudas, Yeah. Yeah. yeah the bird. And that's pretty popular in Thailand, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, garuda, Nagas. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And and it's interesting, like, a lot of these various traditions, they all seem to be very animistic. I'm imagining, for example, a lot of these shamans back in the day before Buddhism was introduced, that would have been something. I mean, you could see that Mm -hmm. everywhere. You could see that in India. You could see that in Africa. You could see it all around the world if we're talking about, like, the most, you know, closest to nature type of traditions they all involve some aspect of animism. And then, for example, in Japan you would have Shintoism, which is, I'd say, very, very close to this animist religion. But what's also interesting for me is when we take a look at the uniforms, for example, like the Japanese emperor, for example, uh, Hirohito, the uniform that he wore, and let's see if I could put an image of it here, was almost like a... It was almost like an Evangelion angel, if that makes any sense. I don't know, Richmond, if you would follow me on this oh on this trajectory here, but uh, it is something that I've noticed. Like these uniforms, and I don't, and I think in China they also have similar aesthetics as well for like the imperial uniforms. But if I'm looking at uh, uh, this example over here, you have the imperial couple, and they're very abstracted. The kind of shapes that they're in they're no longer in a human form in a way they've ascended beyond the mere human form into kind of like this godlike abstract pattern so i don't know exactly what the origin of that is but uh i think yeah that comes
3: from the same comes the same tradition because they don't they don't have like the same relation to like the full presence of the figure like because they i from what i studied in university like they uh in china especially they don't um They don't find, like, the full, like, for example, the nude in Western art. Like, they don't have the same, um, well, I mean, not nowadays with anime, but, like, you know what I mean? They don't have the same, um, they don't consider beauty to be something that is full presence. There has to be a a level of concealment there. Like, for example, a lot of the figures in ink paintings, they have some article of clothing, or they look almost, like, very, like, alien. Like, the closest in the West you could get is, like, a Chavanet uh, portrait but like they, they don't have um, yeah they don't consider like the full nude like they don't have the same tradition around it like that we do like whereas the nude becomes in in the occidental mind is like the height of aesthetic beauty like they yeah they have a different relationship to it mm. of course nowadays with the anime I mean because well nudity is everywhere yeah. let's face it well <laughs> Richmond, would, yeah. you, would you
0: agree with Geo's statement there that there's a different concept of uh, nudity or, or not? Um
1: uh, sort of i mean i think like uh, a, a lot of the the uh, western exaltation of the nude body could be traced back to like uh, like greek uh hellenistic mm-hmm. cultures mm-hmm. but um then uh, interestingly um in in asia the uh, like say in buddhism uh, you do have like some some statuary that is like very human figure oriented and uh, that comes from the uh, kushan empire and they, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. extended their empire into, uh, you know, like the Greek lands. And they um, picked up a love of, like, statuary from there. So, uh, actually, a lot of the earliest... Uh, we're talking about cultural exchange. A lot mm-hmm. of the earliest Buddhist uh, statuary uh, was uh, somewhat Greek-influenced uh, by way mm-hmm. of, you know, the Kushan Empire. And uh, in those, you do see, like, you know, these, like, muscular yeah. figures and these, like, voluptuous right. women. Um, and, uh, I mean, like... It, yeah uh and uh, as far as like the clothing and stuff i mean that that, that's really interesting like uh the the idea of transcending and sort of like being beyond human uh for Mm -hmm. for, like this leader i don't you think you see that in western culture too though like the pope the pope is dressed very similarly sure yeah
0: well i i uh, go even further and say that there are uh smaller uh level examples of that even in the outfit i was showing before that uh trays kushranada was wearing so if i go back to uh trays over here what i notice is that he is like a flower man what i mean by that (laughs) is you have these pauldrons these golden pauldrons that are extending from him as if he is a flower and these are like the leaves or the petals that are extending out of him. And same thing with this uh, diamond shape over here, like the crest, kind of like a bird would have like this crest on its uh, chest. Or again, like a flower. It's like a flower petal that's coming out. Same thing with this little uh, whatever that thing is. So I see that in the aesthetics of any, you know, 17th century, 18th century European ballroom outfit. You have the sense that the people are like flowers. I mean, women, you know, they have the, you know, those frilly dresses that go down. They are also very flower-like, and you get the sense that they're, like, in this hall with these columns, and the columns are, like, the trees, and the uh, upper portion, it's so tall, it's, like, the sky, and they're, like, the flowers among the trees in the forest, and they're dancing. So it's, like, there's this whole thing that's going on where it feels, it kind of sucks that today everything's done more for comfort. I mean, you know, I'm wearing a t-shirt, you're wearing a t-shirt, Gio's wearing a t-shirt, and you know, you've got a nice t-shirt, you know, Street Fighter. I mean, that's, um, that's high class. But still, like, imagine if we were wearing the top hats and the fancy outfits. I wonder, like, how much does that change people's perception of reality when they just go out? Or even for people who are, let's say, of a more peasant, uh, peasant environment they would also wear certain traditional garbs and they would be used to seeing, you know, like the Dutch people would see other people wearing clogs or whatever, I don't know, uh, or the Norwegians with their style. Like, how much do you think this holds value or do you think we're making too big of a deal out of it and we don't need to bother – you know, uh, putting on these airs anymore since we could just get this from the internet? Do you see, like, how how valuable would you estimate this aesthetic sense to be if it, uh, you know, if, if it's not here anymore, other than in just, like, fancy get-togethers? Do you, do, you, do you see a value that's being lost that we don't have this in real life anymore, basically?
1: Um, I, I don't know if it is being lost in real life because I think people always enjoy dressing up, right? I mean, y- even if you don't I don't wear a suit to work every day, but, you know, eventually I might have to go to a wedding or a speaking event, um, and I might, you know, dress up nicer, right? Like, yeah, uh,
0: but, e- but even the suit, it seems like the suit, and don't get me wrong, obviously there's a whole culture among suits, you know, like fine tailoring and all that. But even the suit, in comparison to uh, Trey's Cushrenat over here, it seems to be almost like a downgrade of the floweriness. And I, oh, uh, yeah, you know, okay. and maybe that they don't be- go like at that level. Yes, right. exactly. And uh, if you notice, like in history, people did put on so many of this flowery nature uh, kind of clothing on them for all these centuries. And it's just been like slimmed down and it's been, you know, made a lot more subtle. And uh, again, maybe that's just because of modernity, uh, convenience, but do you see anything lost here or do you think it is possible to have like a nice sleek, you know, suit and that would be enough?
1: Um, uh, so I, I, I don't personally like bemoan the, the loss of the, the standard of having to dress up in like, uh, an elaborate outfit. Um, and the reason I don't is because, uh, people will if they have that desire they can they can dive into that right like i i've seen um in in china right now a lot of people are rediscovering traditional dress right because during the cultural revolution a lot of this stuff like was not you yeah, know it was not it was looked down upon they were yeah. going around destroying temples uh, but now a lot of young people they feel like, oh, you know, like we, we there's something missing in our lives. We actually want to get into this, you know. Mm. Um, and in fact, some of them uh, looked at Japan for inspiration just because they're like, you know, people there still wear kimonos when they feel like it. Right. And like, why, why don't we wear our traditional clothes? Right. Um, and then I, I can say like in, in Thailand, um, in a lot of Thai schools on Fridays, they will encourage kids to dress up in whatever their traditional garb is so because thailand can be pretty international now so thai kids might dress up in a traditional thai outfit you know chinese kids will dress up in theirs um i americans can be a cowboy, I don't know, I don't know but, um, you know, you, you, can dress however you like as it reflects your, 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 your culture. Yeah.
0: Well, internet friend says here, it's, ex- and by the way, need those super chats, everybody. Uh, internet friend said, and please Richmond, let me know how you are doing on time as well. Cause I want to make, I want to be respectful of your time. Sure. Uh, but, I, got, I got a little more time. Yeah. So, uh internet friend says it's expensive. A cheap uh, cosplay of that outfit would look atrocious.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, that is it true. Is, oh, and also another. is cost prohibitive. That's true.
0: Another example here I have of, uh, let's see. So, these are the Jap- Japanese emperor couple. And here I have a Japanese temple. And I noticed something very similar. Like when I go back and forth from one to the other like these sloping designs over here on the temple in comparison to the uh, the outfit here. There is like this need to go, and again, it's like it's close to what uh, you were saying with European culture as well, but it still seems to be very different as well as far as you're not just becoming a flower person, but now you're just becoming, again, like an Evangelion angel, like some very abstract but still aesthetically pleasing shape. And that's that's what I've always been curious about, because it isn't it it it's in harmony with nature, like this temple for instance, but it's a very different quality of harmony than let's say a Roman temple. Where Roman temple, for example, they would and Gio, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it would, for example, in the columns kind of emulate like this tree with like the leaves and the natural growth. Like there is an emulation of nature going on here, Mm -hmm. while this it almost exists in the DMT land, you know. It's almost like its own <laughs> its own dimension. And I don't know, like, could we t- could we trace again, like, certain ways that these cultures have developed with why exactly it looks like this kind of abstraction as opposed to this more nature based abstraction? I
1: mean, there, there's always logic to it, right? Like, like, um, uh, for instance, you know, a uh, 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 islamic uh architecture uh, there's some amazing examples of it and yeah like yeah. Uh, the, the cultures they had very very advanced uh, uh math right mm-hmm. they really innovated on math and also they didn't really um i'm not an authority so uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i i think uh, they they didn't want to depict their holy figures too literally. Yeah.
0: Right? So, you couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't depict yeah. any human form so at an,
3: all. So, created like the yeah. uh, the abs- the abstractions that we see within Islamic art. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they had to resist so, the using figures. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: but then but then that that the, the developed into this concept of like finding uh, God through like geometry, through math, mm-hmm. through these really mm-hmm. amazing patterns and. So you know, you had some cultural rules and then uh, people went deeper into it and, and really found meaning in that. And um I, I know like like with Chinese style because, because I think it's fair to say Japanese style architecture is very Chinese influence, uh Chinese culture has a lot of rules about like what is uh what will bring you good fortune so like the sloping roofs for instance it's all about uh they don't like hard angles right um because that could attract bad luck the idea mm. with the slope is like it, it 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 deflects things and then from a practical purpose maybe at some point it's it, in it is rooted in sort of early on a long time ago someone just discovered hey this shape is just good for like letting the rain run off right so and then over time that developed into like um you know oh this is good for for good luck right like there, there's always some root. there's 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 often like some practical thing or some some social thing and then it turns into like a deep aesthetic thing mm. and
0: i I've, have a tweet yeah. actually left mm-hmm.
3: from uh, our good friend adam lair the art critic mm-hmm. he said that uh it's it's relevant uh, he said miyazaki is the Beckett of triple a gaming Fragmented and disorientating narratives bleak and absurd extremely challenging even more rewarding I don't talk much about games but Elden Ring is the final argument in the case made for video games as art it is indisputably art I disagree I don't know I mean lacks the aura but well what is the Elden Ring yeah. like people have been going crazy Elden for- Ring yeah Richmond Ring,
0: yeah. What, what do you know about the Elden Ring business
1: Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I know as much as someone who uh, hasn't played it yet. So All I, right, then we, we, we can skip
0: it. I want to show yeah. you another example, though, of uh, something of uh, similar nature where you may not expect it as much. So this is a uh, porch ceiling. I believe this is in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. And you notice this particular blue color. So as I was uh, reading about the uh, origin of this, The painted blue porch ceiling started in the American South around 200 years ago. The practice traces back to the Gula Geechee, enslaved people living in the low country of Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina. Gula folklore explains that ghosts, also referred to as haints, were not able to cross water. In order to repel evil spirits from plantations, porch ceilings were painted a soft blue. The blue was meant to mimic water in an effort to keep haints or spirits at bay so there we go like that's another example of these very kind of like spiritually practical uh things that we don't really think about that uh look good as well i mean that is isn't yeah. no, there's is another thing i'm curious about like you uh you uh, even though you're in um you're in thailand right now you're uh you mentioned your father or mother came from um uh taiwan
1: uh but yeah yeah my, my mother uh, grew up in taiwan yes yeah. Yeah,
0: so your mom grew up in taiwan and mm-hmm. Taiwan had a different trajectory, obviously, you know, with Chiang Kai-shek and all that, than uh, China did with uh, communism. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that there was a continuation of some of the OG Chinese <coughs> traditions going on there? That China, like maybe China's catching up to that right now, like you mentioned with the outfits? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so my, my family uh, on my father's side ended up in Thailand rather than Taiwan. And they've carried on a lot of the very old customs that, that people in China probably don't do anymore. Like uh, we celebrate a lot of the old uh, Confucian holidays and my family still does uh, blood sacrifices of chickens on on, on holidays. We'll kill a chicken. We'll eat it. You know, like it's not, it's, there's nothing menacing about it. There's (laughs) an old tradition of taking a chicken on these holidays and, you know, you, you cut its throat and you drain it and you put its blood in a container and you offer it up to, the land god and your ancestors and then you you cook everything and you eat everything um and so yeah yeah like that's a custom that my family uh, kept and it's it's i imagine something that people in my family have been doing for hundreds of years and it's really cool to have that passed on and to be able to you know just to Mm -hmm. keep up that tradition and um Yeah, that's like something that most people, say, in Shanghai, like, probably do not do anymore for for practical reasons and other reasons.
0: And uh, my people as well, uh, they have, uh, well, the Hasidic side of my people, the Jews, well, on my mom's side they have a much worse way of handling the chickens, which I do not approve of, where, like in certain religious holidays, uh, they spin the chicken around beforehand. They They, Yeah, they spin the chicken around. And I don't know why it's weird. I don't like it. I wish it would stop. But uh, uh, going back, though, to these uh, various traditions here, what do you think is going on with uh, this, let's say, this sense of tradition not just in well let's continue what our ancestors were doing but in any kind of spiritual satisfaction that you may have like do you sense that the spiritual aspect is still there or is it more all oh, this is just what we do and we're used to it and it's fun like do you end up in any way getting spiritually closer with your family or your community through participating in these uh, rituals
1: i i think that depends on the person but I, I do think if you do it long enough you eventually come back to that like if mm. if you keep doing it and it, it it becomes ritualized like you can't help but eventually like just kind of feel something for it, it this is if you don't give it up a lot of yeah. people might get fed up with it they don't do it. but if you keep doing it uh there's something i don't know there's like a comfort in there that it's like hey i'm doing something my ancestors have done for for a really long time and you start thinking about oh why do they do this you know what is the purpose of it and um yeah, I, I think it's kind of comforting because, in a, in a very literal sense, uh, it, uh, these rituals allow you to connect to all the people that you literally, very liter- literally, physically are, are descended from, um, and and that's really nice to think about. To think that like, oh, I'm continuing something through the ages, and yeah.
0: I want to show you this book over here. I have hidden meanings in Chinese art, so this one has a lot of all these various examples of. Uh, what all of these objects uh, mean. And then the way I see it like uh, internet memes as well, where you would have all these different things packed into a single image that people that know about that image can uh, resonate with it. And I have another question just as kind of a sidebar. I have a question about Confucianism that I was wondering about. So even though Confucianism today, you could say that it's used by the uh, communist Chinese for their own uh, uh, you know, top-down governmental ends. There was something I recall hearing about Confucianism that loyalty is primarily towards the father to such an extent that if uh, the father were to commit some kind of crime against the state, it would still be correct in terms of Confucianism for the son to hide the father from the government or defend the father you know, uh, from whatever the government may do. Is that, is that correct?
1: I I don't know if that's technically correct, but I think that's very much in the spirit of Confucianism, as I've uh, 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 lived it. Yes, Mm. yeah. You exalt the father figure. uh, I would say even above uh, the state, above everything. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's that's generally how it goes. Yeah.
0: And uh, when it comes to these traditions, this kind of goes full circle to what we were talking about in the very beginning, since. We understand that, you know, we're living in a very, very much liberal time today where, at least in the modern world, where people have more of a choice of what do you do with your life? Do you go into anime? Do you develop video games? Do you whatever? The thing that people bring up who don't want life to go into the direction of just complete societal breakdown, and I don't think it will, but the people who see that see this quality of we have so much uh resources now we have so much comfort that people don't need to do certain things they had to do in the past to survive so some of them like yourself uh, will be very passionate about pursuing a certain art form and create a beautiful video game but Most people, maybe they'll just be so lazy that they're not going to do anything since there's no pressure for them to do it. And I know this goes a little bit beyond uh, the question of anime, which I think does play a role in encouraging people to strive towards greatness. But just uh, away from that for a second, do you see a similar concern now that I bring that up just societal-wide, or do you think it's overblown?
1: uh i don't think it's overblown i think it's a great question i mean we, we're living in an age where potentially everyone could have their basic needs met there's enough food to go around the world um uh but okay so <laughs> that's a big question um there was a really good essay by uh, one of the cracked.com writers ages ago uh, I, I forget his name he he had like a chinese sounding pseudonym but he wrote this really good essay uh it ended up being an argument for universal basic income and i thought it was he came at it from a really interesting perspective which was that in the past people had to work everyone had to work in society to keep things moving so that you could stay fed you know the roads are paved like uh, just just getting food was such a big deal right even after industrialization even then it's an even bigger deal like you gotta um industrialize the farms because now you got to feed like tens of hundreds of millions of people. And so a lot of that is automated now and um, it's more and more things are going to be automated. So in the past, you had to do a job that had a purpose. And now uh, basically like we exist to spend money on things, right, uh, just just functionally. And, Mass there, and uh... yeah, that, that's, that's what keeps the, the system going. And once you realize that, that's a very like spiritually disenchanted. Um, but for for me personally, like, okay, so bringing it back to what I believe personally, um, I don't necessarily think laziness is like a bad thing. I, I think it can sometimes be a virtue. Like uh, when you talk to programmers or mathematicians, which are very difficult, very intellectual fields, uh, some of the smartest people I know, they're like, oh, laziness is a virtue because you want to find the simplest solution and that's the best solution is always mm. the simplest solution. So you work hard until you find that. And then after that, you can be lazy again. And <laughs> I, I think yeah, that's actually sure. not such a bad way of, of living. I think for a few,
3: <laughs> for the few people, there's probably people who can handle it. I mean, every society up until recently had um, a sort of aristocratic class that had the ability to uh, pursue more artistic, philosophic and engineering feats um because nowadays of course like everyone is sort of homogenized within like the typical like North American like you know residual of the Protestant work ethic where it's like work becomes like a lifestyle almost but I mean the problem is I think like the the nightmare is that if ubi was everywhere then we would end up instead of like some like glorious like you know it's in a lot of anime like some like you know glorious like cyberpunk type of future I think like You'd have like bug pods where like people eat like hmm. you know soy protein. Well, or whatever. there's an example <laughs> of that in the
0: xeno Gears, and again that always. Oh, want to there sp- is? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Want, I don't want to spoil it, but there was a segment in Zeno Gears where in this particular location. Well, Richmond, you've played xeno Gears, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so you remember in that particular location, uh, which was very advanced, there were these uh, people who were living inside of these like uh, hexagon shaped pods. And if they didn't do something correctly, uh, I guess this is kind of like a China-style social credit system, they would be dispensed with. I don't know if you recall, they would be deleted. I don't remember the exact word here. But that is kind of the menacing thing that I think people anticipate. That with the rise of technology, with the rise of people not having a tradition to defend, not having as much of a reason to keep going, they'll be much more pliable by some kind of a technocratic state that would, uh, enslave their minds and force them into repeating certain patterns and, uh, obeying this higher authority, not because they see any kind of value in it, but because this is the only thing that they know. So making people dumber, making people more programmable, like you know, erasing the humanity from person and turning them into
1: more of a, like a robot person, if that makes sense. Uh, sure, but I, I, I feel like um, it, it's easier. The, the only way to do that to people is if their basic needs aren't met and they, they just... They, they fall in line out of necessity, right? I, mm. I think it's less of a spiritual thing, more of like a material thing um, in real life instances where that has happened. Um, whereas I think that sort of the spiritual degradation that people talk about, um, to me, that's just like that's one of the paths you can take when uh, you... Yeah, you do have your needs met and you're not worrying about how am I going to f- put food on the table? Now you're worrying about higher level things like, oh, what is my purpose? You know, what will give my life meaning? And uh, if, if you don't find that thing, then, yeah, you, you, you could fall I- into spiritual despair. And in the past, people maybe kind of already had something like they had their 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 re- uh, religion or whatever uh, that that. Yeah. But. um Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling.
0: <laughs> no, 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 that's yeah. that's Gio's line, by the way. Uh, no, no. but that was really well mm-hmm. said. I would say, though, that for people who grow up with a lot of comfort, like I'm looking at uh, young people today, like, you know, like four-year-old kids who are addicted to the iPad already, you know, the parents shove the iPad in their faces, and we still don't know what the ramifications of that is, uh, so... I like the fact that there are a lot of creative games out there. I think creative games inspire people, and I think your game is definitely going to be an inspiration for a lot of people. Speaking oh, of which, you. speaking of which, by the way, Zeka Tactics uh, at Zeka Tactics, check it out. And at the same time, though, there are a lot of really crappy examples of media out there. Like uh, you remember the whole Elsa Gate sin- uh, situation that occurred oh, on God. YouTube, oh, where they God. had. So they had a lot of these very bright colored things, but showing horrible depictions of oh, you know, like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. needles yeah. and you know pregnancies and whatever. Anyway, even though that stuff's been cleaned off of YouTube, the aesthetic is still there. If you look at the videos that are garnering you know millions, you know stupid amounts of views, these are videos that have these very bright colors in their thumbnails, and in how they present things. You know, bright yellow, bright purple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's very... <laughs> yeah. It's the anti-Japanese aesthetic. Because, like, in the Japanese oh, it, aesthetic, for example, like you have nice... Like, look at these colors. Yeah. Isn't this, like, a nice nice color combination here with these subtle yellows and oranges? You know, I think it does... It trains the eye to appreciate subtlety. And that does the opposite. Like, the Elsa-gate stuff.
1: I, I would say those videos are literally just anti-art. Be, because... <laughs> the way they are made is people just uh they just look up what are the trending terms right and then they just film that and so it's almost like this amazing performance collective performance piece this incredibly nihilistic (laughs) art Mm -hmm. performance that people Mm -hmm. are uh participating in willingly where they're literally just following an algorithm the Mm -hmm. algorithm is saying spider-man pregnancy needles and then they're like okay we got it we just put those things in a video right and they're 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 just doing it unironically they're just like i'm gonna put these in a video and kids are gonna click on them they have no idea what they're watching, but I'm going to get, you know, millions of clicks and I'll, I'll make like a couple bucks.
0: Well, that's definitely a big part of it. There are some
3: conspiracies yeah. about it, about some pizza related activity. Mm. going. <laughs> well,
0: another another part of it is going to be, oh. don't you start, Gio. Another part of it is going to be, for example, the uh, TikTok uh, videos. I'm noticing that people are just behaving like robots on this platform, you know, with these very, you know, uh, stereotypical yeah, whatever dances. Yeah, song becomes. Yeah, like, yeah. So, so that's kind of like, I don't know if you would call that spiritual enslavement, but it seems to me like if a person grows up and that's all they know and that's all they're used to, they will be much easier to control by some kind of an algorithm, you know, when they start going into their formative years and when they're adults, and how that starts shaping reality. And uh, in in a way, kind of like how I see it is, we may turn anime into real life in the sense of there may be a future spiritual battle going on with people who grew up with certain things that they resonate with, <laughs> and other people who just become kind of like now. This I just ha- imagine
3: Saying like, "Oh my God, we're gonna live my favorite anime." <laughs> yeah. When we have the the Elon Musk uh, neural link in the yeah. future. Yeah. No,
0: need. but life does seem to be almost like sci-fi now when we have these things that people just talked about in their fantasies. Well, very now shitty com- version of it. Yeah. Now c- coming true. Um,
1: well, okay. So going back to TikTok, I'm I'm not super worried because you you do see like some genuinely funny stuff on there, right? Like he, I've seen some like 10 second clips that tell a whole story and they're they're hilarious. So true. I. I think it's like anything else where, like, any medium, no matter what, any broad commercial medium, like, 90% of it is not going to be very good. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the, some small percent of it, like, people eventually, someone is going to, like, put some quality stuff on there. Like, so with TikTok, uh, you have, like, billions of people now with their phones. And out of that, like, in the past, a phone would be very a, a camera would be very expensive, but nowadays almost everyone like like probably half the global population will have access to a camera phone at some point in their life from now on. Right. And and now you have people like just figuring out how to do films and getting pretty creative with it, actually. So so um, i I'm not super worried yet just because like I, I have my own nieces and nephews and I know like I, I can direct them towards like better stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I don't just. Their, their parents don't just sit them in front of YouTube and let the algorithms babysit them We can show them stuff be like hey, this is cool. This is educational. or This is interesting. And I, I think um, I Think there will always be people Passing that on right like yeah. I'll, I'll show them stuff. I like right that's that's very natural mm. um, I mean, unfortunately a lot of people do leave the babysitting up to YouTube but that, that's the same as like latchkey kids with with TV, right?
0: Yeah, but I guess the difference would be that TV, or at least TV back in the day, even though there was a lot of schlock on it, you still had certain standards. For example, the late night shows, you know, Johnny Carson, things of that nature. There was still a certain, a certain level there. You were not having like, the Kardashians on or something like that. That's number one. Well, number two would be that even before that, before the TV, you would have kids who were bored. And boredom, like I said in earlier streams, this is something that Bill Maher talked about with Adam Carolla, how influential being bored was, where you talked about the uh, positive side of being lazy, which I agree with you on being bored is very crucial, I think, because it helps stimulate creativity instead of having creativity be done for you. Uh, So that is something that uh, may come up where I agree with you, there's a lot of creative things on TikTok as any medium. People will embrace a medium and a small percentage will do a lot with it. But to kind of counter what you were saying, back then, people would have a limited amount of things to spend their time on. And it would have been curated by, let's say, movies they would have come out you know from these hollywood moguls like a you know, wizard of oz or whatever you know that did curate their content to be of a certain aesthetic and of a certain you know of a certain level that's high up there sure and if not that then kids would spend their time playing with the goat <laughs> you know like or just <laughs> playing with sticks outside or in the case of the creator of pokemon you know collecting these beetles and insects in his backyard so in a way like you wouldn't have had all these other things affecting people and it's an open question for me about how this is going to affect kids who are going to be growing up now where they don't have the opportunity to be bored they don't have the opportunity to discover things like they would have in the past and what that what kind of society that would create well on the other hand to be a little bit positive here you have never had a time ever where you have access to as much information where if you have the willpower to do so, you will discover things that philosophers in the past would have only dreamed of being able to uncover. They would have had to go to the library of Alexandria. They would have had to make an epic voyage in order to get a certain piece of information. And now, you know, so good. <clears throat> Jen. You, know, you would be able to get it incredibly quickly and be able to get to a higher level of understanding. So that I find to be a very fascinating thing in terms of what exact, what exact, uh, you know, how society is going to look from that. I just find it to be very fascinating, both for good or ill. So uh, before my last question, just about the production aspects of your video game, um, what what do you make of that? Any predictions given what I just said right now, Richmond?
1: Sure. Uh, So I, I just thought of... I just thought of something. Let me let me do some uh, armchair psychoanalysis. Um, Have you noticed that people are really into liminal spaces right now? Oh, yeah. It's been like a thing,
3: right? That's huge. Yeah, it's
1: huge. A lot of horror based around liminal spaces. Right. So uh, what what are liminal spaces? They're they're these transitional spaces, right? Like hallways, you know, uh, 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 a subway station, like places you're not supposed to stay. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, and and that's where the horror is derived right being stuck in this transitional space and people have you know said like oh you know it's scary because you're not supposed to stay there i think maybe liminal spaces are such a big thing now because of what you said about boredom hmm. those are the spaces where people are most likely to get bored and suddenly yeah. you know be alone with their thoughts Right, because like you, you can't stare at your phone while you're walking through the hallway. You're gonna trip, you're gonna bump into someone. Like, I know, you, I've seen you, some you people... pay a little bit of it.
3: Like well, read yeah, yeah. read okay. um the nonplace by uh, the French philosopher Mark Aug. This is where the liminal space the term non place comes from. But also I think a lot of the liminal space stuff has to do with like very particular um uh, like growing up in North America millennial nostalgia. That's like usually like, mm. a lot of the image comps, they come from, like, this weird mix of your childhood being influenced by non-places. Which are meant for, like, public use and utility that don't have what um, Heidegger calls dwelling. Like, it doesn't have, like, a specific context. So, it's, like, very, it's, like, this weird mix of, like, nostalgia, the horror of the unknown. Like, th- like the back rooms is, like, the best example. Because, like, you know, yeah. you have the ones where it's, like, there's a monster or whatever. and But that's bullshit. The real backrooms the real horrible ones, are the ones where it goes on forever. Because it's, like, that unknowing, right? Mm. So, I, and then they have, like, the infinity pool ones. That's popular now. But, like... Yeah, there's yeah, a game yeah, about
4: that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. So, like, nowadays, I think that's why... Like, there's some, something very... Like, you're right that there's something very particular about why nowadays it's become so popular um, and maybe it does have something to do with like people being more atomized or whatever, like we find comfort in it in some like very strange way. But um, yeah. Oh, oh, my, my friend, internet friend in the comments is Zeller's a liminal space. Yes. Zeller's unfortunately is a liminal space for those who don't know. Zeller's was a very popular, like middle range um, store in Canada here. And uh, unfortunately they've been totally destroyed been gutted so <laughs> zeller's liminal space my childhood is gone erased no longer <laughs> rest in
0: peace Geo's <laughs> mass childhood. Hallways
3: with, without stock and of uh, the uh, in the front of every store they had the claw machine mm. so no. <laughs> i can hear i can hear the caretakers in the background
0: <laughs> oh man that's so sad for me the liminal <sighs> space was probably mount airy lodge where i went to as a kid there was oh, this there hotel in the uh, pocono mountains and, oh, yeah. and I still, you know, I still have dreams where I revisit the this place as well as revisiting Annecy. A lim- another limit space was, um, liminal space, was the, uh, walkway where you have the town over here and the mountains over there, the Alps, where you could just see this, you know, beautiful river and the, uh, beautiful lake and the Alps in the distance while walking there. And when I revisit it, I revisit it in the form of being both that as well as a beach where people are hanging out. And beach... Uh, beaches are also inf- uh, influential liminal spaces. You would have, for example, in that Hideo Kojima game, uh, what's the name? Uh, death Stranding. Death Stranding. Yeah, the beach was considered to be like that transitionary place between uh, life and death, between our world and the dreamscape. So, uh, I'm I'm into that as well. But anyway, uh, I have a final question for you, Richmond, about the actual nitty gritty production of making a video mm-hmm. game. Uh, sure. how long have you been making uh, Zeta Tactics? How many people are working on it? And what does it really take to put all of this together? Uh, so, yeah, I would just love to know a little bit more about this.
1: Oh, man. Um, so, uh, we've actually been working on Zeka Tactics for uh, a little over a year. Uh, we, we, we announced it... Um, gosh, I don't even remember. My brain is muddled from just... The, the the months roll together. So um okay, so the thing about my company, uh Bideg, it's uh, we, we have two tracks, right? So we we actually do a lot of art and animation uh outsourcing. So we do a lot of contract work for other companies. So we've worked on, you know, some notable games like, like Indivisible, um, you know, the Shantae games. We we mm. specialize in a lot of like cartoony, yeah uh, the anime influenced games. That's been our niche. Um, but we do all sorts of stuff. So uh that has been primarily our, our main source of income. But because of that, we're able to have a long runway for our own uh, game development. And that's why uh, we've been able to slowly work on this game in between uh, projects. So um, it, it's, it's it's very difficult for me to project out like how much time we've, we've spent on it just because it's been so piecemeal. Uh, but in the last six months, we have actually had a consistent team of about like eight people uh, actually consistently working on it, designing it, coding it, doing the art. We're at the point where we're actually doing the 3D graphics, putting them into Unity, building the vertical slice. Um, so I, I would say hopefully by the end of this year, I think we'll actually have that vertical slice demo. It would go a lot faster if we could focus just 100% on the game, but you know, we got to keep the lights on, so we do uh, a lot of client work. Um, but, uh, hopefully when this game comes out, it'll be successful and that'll be a new revenue stream that, you know, where, where we can keep, um, spend even more time, uh, on, on original, uh, game development.
0: And these enemies are really beautiful. They remind me a bit of the, uh, Zaku's, but they are mm-hmm. also reminding me of, uh, Mega Man Legends, uh, for some reason. I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah, good eye. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. So I love uh, uh, both those things. The Zaku is just such like a cool uh, mobile suit. Uh, sort of one of the unspoken rules in our game is that we... Uh, I, I love grunt units. So mm. so the aesthetic of the game is sort of... It's like an—it's a love letter to the grunt unit. So none of the units you get in this game will look like the traditional hero units like the Gundam. It's all about the grunts, you know, like the Zakus, the scope dogs, right? Like the... I, I just love how they they have a certain scruffy feeling to them. They feel like they're the underdog and you, you kind of root for them that way. And then the boss characters in our game will look more like your traditional heroic like Gundam units. Um, yeah, so and then that f- sort of fits with the theme in our game about sort of being like the underdog mm-hmm. and working putting together your group and making your way up through the world. Um, So that was a big inspiration. And then Mega Man Legends is just such a beautiful game. I I, I think it's the most beautiful of the low polygon. Oh, yeah. uh, PS1 era 3D games. And the reason it looks so good is that they totally embrace the limits of the system. So where other people were trying to do complex real time lighting uh, on a very limited hardware, they were just like we're not even going to do lighting, right? There's there's no real time lighting. Everything's baked into the textures. But because of that, it's super controlled. It's everything is very intentional. So that game is essentially like 3D pixel art, down to like they did tricks like they would um, they would mask out the character from the side. They would mask out their mouth into like this complex you know anime mouth shape. But it was just like a a, a, a trick of the texture. It wasn't the geometry and it only worked from that one angle and which which is interesting is that they're starting to do stuff like that again in 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 modern cg you know in 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 a lot of anime stuff like spider verse where they they're very much trying to make it look super 2d again um so, uh, Ben, I, I would say, like, this game is an early pioneer of, like, trying to make 3D that doesn't really look 3D. They're not going for realism at all on, on super limited hardware. And that, that was a big inspiration for us. And then um, our mecha designer, our main lead designer, is actually a, a Japanese mecha designer. He's named Shinya Mizuno. Uh, mm. Awesome artist. And um, his aesthetic is very cute, very Mega Man Legends-esque. And um, I've been a huge fan of his work for a long time. Uh, uh uh please look him up on on, on twitter he's, he's super nice uh re- really nice guy um his, his his feed is like very very wholesome you don't have to worry about seeing any adult content by accident or anything mm. if, if you have kids or whatever uh but um he does really cute work and uh but we're asking him to do more like of these um traditionally more like like uh, grim uh 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 like quasi real units Mm-hmm. And the, the the reason for that is, um, I, I just really like his aesthetic, and I think why our game has a unique aesthetic. Why while you, while why you're feeling that Mega Man Legends plus the Zaku is because of this guy Shinji Mizuno. Uh, when we ask him to do something very serious, he can't help but make it a little bit cute, and mm-hmm. I love that. And that is exactly why, like, he's our our, our lead. He brings ah. that little bit of cuteness and person, you know, that extra like uh, charm to it that i think other people wouldn't
3: and uh how do you how do you be like familiarize yourself with with mecca art because uh from what i understand there's that one that one famous one uh, uh there's a lot of youtube videos uh I think his name's june something um like do you like just take already existing mechanical features and then sort of build upon it and imagine it like it seems that it's a very particular style like mecha art like it's got yeah
1: oh it's so broad though um i mean I, Certainly, like, there's you can look at something and kind of immediately tell if it is like a Japanese mecha or like like Mm. Hollywood, North America, like, you can look at Avatar, and you're like, that looks American for some reason. And then the thing you have on the screen here, you're like, that looks Japanese for some reason. Or like the Transformers series,
0: the early one was based, uh, was Japanese designs from what I understand, the original Transformers robots, which Mattel then uh, uh, bought, and the later one, Michael Bay, that one does not look Japanese at all. Like, it's too, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But then when you get to the bumblebee movie it goes back to that original aesthetic because mm. that director grew up loving the original series and actually a, a lot of the artists on i know for a fact a lot of the artists that worked on the michael bay movies they wished it looked more like the source it was actually michael mm. bay that that kind of hated the cartoon uh, you know, uh, they actually yeah. didn't like the cartoon. He's like this cartoon's like stupid. I'm gonna make it for you know uh, a, a, American a consumer. Boys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, what... but like they, yeah.
3: they almost like like they're very inspired by like like military regalia, but like they mm. they almost like defy like the uniformity of military hardware, which I think like there's like when you look at mechas, they're very like interesting combinations and they're very unique and like each having like their own individual aesthetic, even though. They're like battle bots essentially right like that's yeah Yeah. um
1: i i think the the, so there's one artist um uh, give me a second i need i need to look up his name um Mm -hmm. he was the mecha designer behind uh, steel battalion uh sorry his name escapes me right now i'm I'm really Mm -hmm. really bad with names uh junji okubo he's a really good mecha designer he's really good at doing like super realistic mecca like you you would think they were just actual industrial robots because that Mm. that he loves industrial practical looking robots but he um he's got a great uh book out called industrial divinities and um Mm. he did a really good essay when people asked him like oh what is it about mecca like why do you know why is it so special what do people like about it and he had an awesome answer this is the answer i would i'm i'm paraphrasing what he said he said the appeal of mecca is that it's chimeric Uh, even though he's a highly realistic designer even in what he does it's he's doing chimeric designs and what he meant by that was he his example was the chimera of greek mythology it's a combination of different animals right Mm -hmm. it's a you know a lion a goat like an eagle and a snake and he said um the theory is that these are actually all the most dangerous animals that you might meet going up the mountain these are all the things that might like you know, mess up your day if you run into <laughs> them, right? If you get attacked by them. So um, in olden times, people just, were, they were like, yeah, what are the most scary animals? And then they just put it together in one thing. And he said, that, that's what you do with mecha design, right? It's, it's not actually practical. It's more about like, this piece here recalls this piece of industrial equipment, right? You know, um, this headset, it, it the the part of the robot's head looks like headphones the robot doesn't need headphones hmm. but to a human being observing like like look at pat labor right they look like they're wearing headphones um, and just because you you identify with that you're like oh okay that's that must be a communication device right it must mm-hmm. be receiving signals and you know um and then in pat labor they would like uh, dress up sometimes they would actually put an extra layer of like um, like a bulletproof I, I don't know what the term is, but it would look like a bulletproof vest on, on top of the already, like, hard metal. And they, they would, you know, they would recall, like, stuff that humans would wear, but then, like, just scale it up, right? And so, it's almost
3: uh, anthropomorphic, like, it's just, yeah, yeah. well, like, utilitarian. Well, this
1: is um, why I want to bring up, for example,
0: the uh, robots in juranger uh, or a uh, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, as it was, it was known in the West, and these are some of my favorite ones. I mean, just look at this beautiful Tyrannosaurus Rex over here—just this juicy red color—and it's so simple. You know, there's not a lot of details there, but they're all working. They're all very harmonious. You know, this cute little the cute little mammoth guy over here. Yeah, great. You know, with these well, stumpy I'm, legs. I'm
3: looking at this uh, book of Industrial divinities It's very like, it's it's got that very like sleek, um, clean japanese design but they do look like animalistic chimeras and they do uh they have a very like almost i would say like early 2000s y2k kind of vibe going with yeah, them. it's very yeah, interesting
1: yeah. wow yeah because yeah. they're, they're actually now a throwback like robots now are, are so streamlined you don't <laughs> to need back, them yeah. to, to have these complex yeah you know yeah uh, yeah and he'll do stuff like you know part of it might look like a like a, a air conditioner or an electrical mm. box, it, you unconsciously like you're like I'm I'm kind of familiar with these shapes. I think that's that's the appeal of Mecca. Is it's drawing on stuff that you you consciously or unconsciously already mm. know. Like like with Zoo Ranger, uh, that T Rex. Kind of feels like a sports car, right? It's like a mm. when you're a little yeah. kid, if you see yeah. a Ferrari, you're just like yeah. instantly. Any mm-hmm. kid is like that car just looks awesome for some reason. It's big, it's shiny, it's. Warm. Or,
0: or this guy over here, I think this is a big favorite for a lot of people. The uh the dragon robot. Let's see. There we go. <laughs> Look at this guy, and you can see like these beautiful. Pe- it's like a temple. It's like a robot yeah, yeah. dragon temple, yeah. and these are like the yeah. steps to the temple over here. You know, with the yeah. uh, with the necklines. And it's just, it's like a flower and a temple. And, you know, it's like, I can completely understand why Power Rangers took a lot of American minds by storm, even if they combined it with things that were not there in the original one. For example, the toys, they got rid of these very aesthetically pleasing uh, uh, patterns over here, and they just had like a Thunderbolt thing over here, which was not oh, as really? good. Yeah, for the toys. Oh, I didn't so, know that. I didn't yeah, know yeah. they removed and it was like more a
1: more cultural-looking one Yeah, and
0: it was like a bright green. In fact, I could see if I could uh, oh. find it here dragon zord toy so if i put this in i think you'll be able to see it so the new ones i think they may yeah the new ones have gone back to having those things in but the original one did not and let's see if i could find that original one it's got to be in here somewhere because the the one that i have it does not have those patterns in here yeah like these are all the new ones these are the ones that came out with people who are used to it but uh yeah i think i'll get to it eventually but another thing that i'm noticing though And I don't know if this is just because of certain artistic uh, deterioration or maybe, again, it's just my bias talking here. But I noticed that for uh, the newer newer Sentai robots that are coming out right now, they are much brighter. They are much like colors are too saturated, and it does not feel as aesthetically pleasing as these. So, again, I don't know if I'm being biased, but I could show you uh, an example here, let's say. Uh, if I go to the right side here... And by the way, everybody subscribe right now who is listening to this. I just have to find the uh, Sentai Wiki. To pr- here we go, Ranger Wiki. So, Ranger Wiki, I recommend you guys check it out. They have a lot of these different series going all the way from the beginning. And the uh, Sentai was originally, I think, based off of Spider-Man. There was like a Japanese Spider-Man that was made. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they started adding more uh, more things to it. But here's Okay, yeah, Super Sentai. So, if I go into... Uh, some of the later ones here here. I'm just gonna pick this random one here So, you know the outfits look nice, but then when I'm gonna look at the uh, mecha as well mecca as well Let's see what I can uh, come up with here Arsenal. Okay. Here we go mecca So I'm just gonna pick some random one here. Yeah, look at this like I mean, it's too much There's Notice, too, yeah. no, too many things going on and I noticed yeah, this too pattern him, Yeah, this has been a consistent pattern since 2010 onwards i don't know why it's happening i don't know if you have any insight into maybe why certain aesthetic choices are made that go more into this like very overly done direction
1: um i I think that's just sort of a a trend in general like especially in the aughts uh stuff just got like really busy right like stuff just got busier and busier i think part of that is just access to um technology where like suddenly you could have cg and you weren't limited <clears throat> by shapes and stuff like uh you know now you can like 3d print stuff um so stuff just got like gaudier uh, just just because you could <laughs> that, that whole thing like just because you could just because you can doesn't mean you 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 should but but a lot of people suddenly had new tools and they just kind of wanted to up the ante i think another part of it is also the pressure of having to do a new show year after year mm. um so people don't have as much time to really like sit back and and refine things um and then also part of it is probably like people retiring like probably the people who were behind the stuff that you really liked like you know they, they probably were no longer directly Uh, Doing these designs and it was passed on to the next generation and then they're coming into an environment where it's like like go 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 like you just got to produce we have to do a new season every year every year. Mm. Um, So I I think there's less time to refine it. Um, And I I don't know maybe it's maybe we're just getting older.
0: (laughs) Uh, No, no, I think I think it makes sense uh, what you're saying as far as why this is happening. But another question that I have and we're going to be wrapping up soon we're going to go to super chats. Need those super chats, people. Do it right now and add a like because likes help the algorithm. Anyway, when it comes to drawing, one thing that I've noticed, again, is just like uh, you mentioned the line art, how much there's not as much of the construction lines or that maybe just the impression it almost seems like certain you know very <clears throat> complex forms that are very true to the human body you know it is funny because like we were mentioning before even though anime came from this more uh, you know aesthetic unrelated to having realism They were still able to capture realism, like even, you know, like the most low budget of anime is still able to be very exact when it comes to what the thighs look like, what the legs look like, what the chest looks like. You know, it's very, what the arms look like, fingers. So why do you think that is? Why do you think uh, people were able to have so much concentration is it something where it's just the amount of time that you put into it? Or is it something that if you have it like from a very early age, it just kind of, you know, like, you just like pick it up right away or you pick it up because everybody else is kind of doing like a similar style. Everybody is not similar style, but similar advancement in terms of understanding the human body or understanding the way that a car works or the way that a, uh, a mechanized shape is shaped. I don't know. Um, okay, so
1: you're essentially asking like why... Is anime? Why does it tend to be drawn pretty well, you know even no, on a low budget? Right? Or, sure,
0: yeah. Why is it that the people who are uh, going into this industry able to excel so much with just you know this uh, you know very precise line art when it comes to the human okay. body and shapes?
1: I mean, I, there is a lot of like not so great anime out there, so we're we're kind of focusing on the stuff that is really well done. Um, as you're sort of at like why anime that industry like why did they produce so many good artists right mm-hmm. so again i i i'm just referencing the couple little things i have read so i i'll try to go to stuff with that that has a source right um so in the 80s disney started doing um, tv shows right and uh, they, they actually outsourced a lot of uh, the animation to uh, Japan. So all of the early Disney TV shows in the 80s, like DuckTales, Gummy Bears, uh, Rescue Rangers, uh, Darkwing Duck, uh, you know, the, the, those shows, uh, the first seasons were animated uh, entirely in Japan. Whoa. They were very good. They, they, I had no idea. Yeah.
4: Whoa.
1: And um, I actually found an old article from the 80s. Uh, uh, I think the L.A. Times or something where they interviewed the guy because this was a big deal because Disney has always had a very hardcore audience. And even back then, people were like, oh, how dare you, like, you know, outsource this work and, oh, you know, it's going to be lower quality. And they had the guy from Disney saying, like, we're not doing this to save money. We're doing this because we just simply don't have enough animators in in America. And here is this country with its own. They, They have a lot of good animators there. And he even said, like, it's not to save money because like uh, it, it was the 80s. So the yen was going up every every year. It was it, it was just simply they, they had a huge supply of labor. Um, and I think uh, so they had a lot of labor because they had such a rich animation industry. So outside of America, um, Japan is the other country with a really, really long commercial uh, animation history. That's very consistent because um, uh, in China, and in Russia, you also used, you you have these great animation industries, but they got broken up by 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 certain uh, uh, like governments. There were like decades, you know, entire decades where people were not really producing high quality work. Uh, whereas uh, in America and Japan, is pretty unbroken for like the last hundred years. Um, so so they just had that history there. Um, so part of it is just like there just happened to be an industry with a lot of jobs to offer and then another part of it um i remember i so i i, I can't cite the exact source but uh, i i read the psychological study where um these psychologists this is a real study they were studying drawings of from young children from all over the world and they noticed this was like in the 80s they were like for some reason kids in japan are just better at drawing <laughs> like they're <laughs> <were> just producing <laughs> more sophisticated drawings at a young age and i I think that's really just again up to accessibility. I, like they're just exposed to more stuff. They 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 had comics, right? They they had manga, um, and they had access to reams of paper and pencils, and they were encouraged to draw. Like um, mm. like a lot of people. Uh, uh, it, I don't know if it is now, but like it, it, in Japan, that used to be the most popular. The mo- when they would ask kids, like, "Hey, what's what do you want to be when you grow up?" They would say, "I want to be a manga artist." Mm. Um, and even um, my my, my ex girlfriend was from Japan. She's not, not She wasn't an otaku at all. Like she, not at all. Not even into anime or video games. But like when she was a kid, that was what she wanted to be. She wanted to be a manga artist because because she had certain comics she liked. And um, so it, it, I, I think it's just more integrated into the culture. And then I think you see more of that now everywhere because uh, you know before we were talking about we we're kind of afraid that there's all this crappy content on YouTube. Like, the, just mm. absolutely awful artless content. But at the same time, uh, kids have more access to, like, really cool stuff, too. And now you're seeing, like, um, like 14-year-olds from all over the world, not just America. Like, I, I've seen artists from, like, you know, Kazakhstan that blew my mind. And they're so young. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because they they have access to more stuff. And uh, uh, not just stuff. that They have access to tutorials that, like, like our generation didn't. Like, yeah. you want to know how to draw something? Like, just google it and you'll you'll find like 10 different things you'll find uh youtube videos explaining how to use you know blender uh which is free now Uh, Mm -hmm. you know you'll find videos on how to use unity and make your own game which is free now um and a a lot of this is gated by the english language like so much of the content is just in english but Mm -hmm. as long as you know english (laughs) the world is at your fingertips Mm -hmm.
0: yeah even more even more power to the anglo empire as it were but uh but anyway if uh there is one final thing I wanted to share with you, which uh, is, well, okay, two, two quick things. First of all, have you ever heard of the uh, Jack and the Beanstalk anime? This was done back in uh, 1974, and it's a very interesting one to me because it's drawn in this combination of aesthetics that I would say are closer to the, uh, you know, kind of like the American cartoon art while at the same time, they're also bringing in more of the Moe-type uh, uh, aesthetic as well. So here, uh, here's the poster for it. So you notice, mm-hmm. like, the styles, it seems to be kind of a mishmash of, like, the dog, for example, looks like traditional, I don't, know, if, I don't know if it's Hanna-Barbera or, you know, it's kind of like a, an American aesthetic dog, unless, again, I'm uh, misattributing this particular style. But, yeah, like like, look at this dog. This doesn't really look like a like an anime dog, does it?
1: That's 1974. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I got, I got two things to say about that. Number one, I would suspect that whoever worked on this probably worked on Frosty the Snowman, which a lot of people don't know was animated in Japan. The classic American Christmas mm. cartoon, uh. Frosty the Snowman by Rankin Bass, that was animated in Japan. Even their stop motion stuff, uh like uh, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, that was animated in Japan. Um, huh. And so, actually, this tradition of Japanese people working on stuff for America goes back uh, all the way to like a, at least the '60s, maybe even earlier. Um, so there was already that influence. Um, on top of that, uh, th- there's always, you know, been that cross pollination. Like uh, a lot of the early anime artists, of course, famously loved like uh, Disney and Fleischer. So that influence has always been there. And and from the other perspective, like like the early disney artists they would have been influenced by art nouveau artists who were really into like japanese mm-hmm. stuff so it's, yeah. it's it's back and forth it's in europe yeah 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 so um so i i suspect that the people who did work on this already had worked on stuff for america and we're bringing that kind of back into this mm-hmm. but the other half of it is that uh a lot of people in america are not as exposed to gag manga and gag anime and that stuff uh because it's not a lot of when people think of anime they think of like really beautiful idealized just like chiseled people like impossibly pointy chins and giant eyes and perfect figures but a gag manga is just like really funny looking and um it's more in line with what you would expect from american cartoons so there's already that whole tradition of like just these goofy uh, unidealized uh, uh, rather than iconic they're more caricatures right mm-hmm. and so uh When people see that, they they tend to think like, oh, that looks more American right But um, well but yeah, just yes yes no manga. i mean
0: it's it's a different kind of exaggerated style so for example i think you would see that in certain faces like in one piece where the characters are you know being very expressive or in sailor moon like in the sailor moon i don't mm. know about the manga but in the anime you would see a lot of these very you know uh stylized ways of you know crying and reacting like here's no here's but what... i mean
3: even like um like, uh, John Kay, when he did Red and Stimpy, like, you'd have like those scenes where they'd have like a hyper details, but it was usually like creepy and disturbing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, the classic Sailor Moon crying anime girl, yeah, but it's and not it's just yeah.
0: crying, it's also like this face that I'm about to show you over here. I bet that this Best would be a... right well, there. yeah, I bet that this would be a good example of uh, the kind of uh, faces you would see in the gag comics, unless I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, like, this one over here, no, you know, yeah, yeah a... totally. Yeah, you have a very simple, like, yep. bird mouth over here, and you have, like, a, a thought bubble within this, you know, simplified face that's also simplified, and she has, like, a little demon tail or antennas. I don't know why it's, like, antennas, like insect antennas and a demon tail. That's kind of an interesting combination. But anyway, there is something, again, that I like about the Sailor Moon anime where they have very complex-looking, you know, human body while at the same time also having like these very you know expressive uh, gags. And lastly, to tie this together with the Mecca, I want to show you guys one final thing, and then we're going to go to Super Chess, and then we're going to get out of here. And I really, once again, appreciate Max Derrick being here, and really appreciate Richmond, you being here. It's awesome, Street, one of my favorites. So I want to show you something you may already know. This is Fei Yen from virtual on and she is the combination of sailor moon and Mechas into one thing which i found to be very very uh he almost reminds
3: me of dot from uh animaniacs oh 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 wait yeah was dot? Him, what's your name the sister's name not dot. didi 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 didi, didi. didi. Yeah. Ah,
0: that, oh didi was into ballet so that makes sense and yeah. Fei yen's name may come from the chinese term which means fl- flying swallow bird Richmond, can you confirm or deny that, like uh, like that term "fei yen"? That's oh, I, I mean. know
1: fei, "fei" means to fly. Uh, I guess "yen". I don't. I don't know what the word for swallow is. So it's, yeah, that's. I'm sure that checks out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think she was designed by one of the original uh, Gundam designers, if I'm not mistaken. Like the whole Virtual on series. I don't know if that's a series that uh, you followed. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, um,
1: yeah, it's a beautiful series. I, uh, all those old, like Sega uh, uh, Model Two arcade games, like they still look high tech to me. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just really timeless. Every time I see one of them, like when I see Virtual on or Virtua Fighter Two, like I just think like this game's from the future. It looks so cool, <laughs> uh, especially Virtual on because again they embraced that low polygon aesthetic. Like the mm-hmm. the mecha designer. He didn't make anything super elaborate with lots of tiny little pieces. He made like really chunky designs that were totally they were able to just, you know, nail them with the really low poly models.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yep. Well, let
1: us go on to the virtual uh
0: virtual on. Let us go into the uh uh the uh, chats and thank you so much for sneeting uh, the super chats. So, and once again, everybody please subscribe. The subscription matters a lot uh helps get the numbers up for the views if you uh add a like as well and also if you're enjoying this patreon.com slash break the rules become a patron today and i would be very appreciative of that we're gonna have a patreon only streams coming up uh, very soon once again i want to do a health related stream uh with uh grim's apothecary coming up i just have to solidify the date but grim is definitely interested in coming in so anyway here are the super chats everybody Internet friend, $5 Canadian. Comparing, thank you. Oh, wait, wait. Even before that, oh, before that, we have ABC. Wow, a lot of super chats today. Thank you guys. Uh, abc one two three four five six three nine nine two $2. Anime is pseudo Christian storytelling. I, right. I
3: can see that. I mean, I don't it really some depends of them on explicitly have Christian themes in them. Hmm. But, like, who was the one with the priest that kills demons with a shotgun? know that
0: one? Uh, No, I'm not familiar with that one unless Richmond knows. Uh, Well, another another one from the ABC, not pseudo, but prototypical, rather post-typical. So that's his addendum to uh, what he said before. mm -hmm. And then internet friend, five Canadian dollars, comparing international success of anime to Russian animation, not really succeeding outside of domestic market would be interesting if anyone here is familiar. I mean, with the Soviet animation, You have, it's very interesting. I don't know if you know this, Richard.
3: Some of them are great, though. Oh, absolutely.
0: Well, like, well, they're great, but they're very different. Like, Hedgehog in the Mist, for example, it doesn't rely on that much, uh, you know, human aesthetic, you know, like uh, those kind of crafting things. It's more kind of like the animations that I make, which, you know, since I'm Russian, I guess that kind of makes sense. But, uh, it's very interesting, though, where you have, I think you have a sizable portion of uh, Japanese animation aficionados who uh, almost became like, I think, like cult members towards Sergei Eisenstein, who created Tale of Tales and, oh, hold on, uh, gone for a second. Uh, Tale of Tales and uh, Hedgehog in the Mist. So that is a very interesting thing for me is to. The, uh,
3: one with the couple that's like doing the animation that they spent like f- 40 years on. You know that one?
0: Hmm. I think so. The, the, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the
3: coat, the coat, what's it called?
0: Well, is is he even alive right now? Oh, Norstein. I said Sergei Eisenstein. Shame on me. Shame on there was me. There's
3: this one Russian animator that did these uh really like surrealist, like abstract um processes. Like they almost look like Eve Tomby paintings. Uh I have to look it up. Max something. Um was it max max
0: Max kaiser no i'm just
3: joking no 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 no, no. i have to look him up but uh if i recall like i remember my friend uh my friend atticus bones uh he got me woke to him but yeah yeah russian animation during the soviet union has like a lot of weird stuff going on um it's like they had to like prove to the soviet the commissars that it was like culturally relevant or whatever and they had like these really weird ways of like getting mm. around it but there's a, a great atrocity guide episode um, of this um, couple that has been doing the same handmade animation for like 50 years about the uh, the, the trend it's, it's called the coat or something oh well like, oh, Philip Philip
0: says what it is the overcoat by the Google. overcoat
3: by Google yes yeah, yeah. there you go yeah, yeah there's exactly Atrocity guide uh, yeah she's a great content creator so Mm -hmm.
0: and uh next super chat i don't know where richmond went but uh hopefully he'll just go in for the end and if not we're gonna conclude because i do have a hard out very soon so next one over here um uh glow in the dark twenty dollars
3: twenty dollars
0: anime became a thing because it was exotic unique edgy the Western yeah. animation became more watered down than corporate. They would let a story slash character have an end and a complete disregard for the artist working them to near death. I mean, as far as anime goes, though, I mean, I wish uh, uh, Richmond would be here right. Oh, is he back? Yeah, Richmond is back. Here we go. Here hey, we go. I'm back. Hey. So it's actually good that you're back right now because. I have a question related to what was asked over here by uh, Glow in the Dark. So Glow in the Dark says, Anime became a thing because it was exotic, unique, and edgy. The Western animation became more watered down and corporate. They would let a, a story character have an end and a complete disregard for the artist working them to near death. As far as anime goes, though, I mean, I've heard plenty of horror stories about artists being Mango worked artists, yeah. to, uh, yeah, to near death. So would you say that this is something that is still happening in the anime video game industries because of, you know, just like the nature of the beast? Or is this something that in the past was way, way, way more hardcore as far as the health problems that uh, the Japanese animators had?
1: Uh, it's actually worse now uh, than ever before. Uh, if, oh. if, if, if you read about the old guys, um, they... I mean, they they worked a lot, but they actually got better pay uh, on average than people do now. Um, and uh, it, it's been a big deal. Ever since the 90s, uh, people in Japan have been complaining about really talented people just dropping out because they simply just can't make a living because um, it, it pays very little. Uh, what I said mm-hmm. before is a double-edged knife, right? Like, less pay, more freedom. Uh, but then, like, after a certain point, it's like, wow, like, you uh, um they make so little money some of those uh, beginning animators and it's 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 a huge problem there so yeah. definitely <laughs> yeah it's gotten worse uh
0: well hopefully it'll get better later on. I mean we'll see what happens these things hopefully go in cycles. Anyway, we have another super chat here from uh, Glow in the Dark. Anime is becoming watered down/corporate or at least the ones being shipped to America less edgy, more rounded. I mean, I do want to say real quick that I am noticing there's a lot more of this neaton ni- I don't know if neaton ni- is the right word here, but there's a lot more of this roundness going on in the details. So there was to... well, no, well, no, not just that. I mean, we'll see if that's an influence too. But it's more like in the '80s. Like I was showing earlier, like this girl over here. Let's see if I have the uh, tab open. Yeah, her over here. So this is from Jack and the Beanstalk. This is like more of I like an '80s a-
3: girl, though. That died, yeah, that
0: 80, a- '80s aesthetic. And then you have let's see, Mega Zone Thirty Three. If you recall, uh, do you remember Mega Zone Thirty Three, Richmond? Have you watched that? Yeah, 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 nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh,
1: another. Uh, probably another inspiration for The Matrix, although that's that's the one mm. that they deny. the story is super similar with the you know the, the big plot twist and stuff. Um, so with but the, yeah, yeah, that a beautiful yeah. style. But that, that was an OVA, though, right? Like that, that It was, it was uh,
0: but but the style itself here it's similar it's kind of it kind of reminds me of Ranma in a way. This uh, here, like these three girls for example. Like look at the way that their faces are. There is something you know there's a softness to the way that their faces are but it's very 80s and I don't know why yeah. it is that in it's the 80s, 80s they had yeah. this very particular style in the, in the 90s mid-
3: late, in- Rage, lighting the type of technicolor they had yeah
0: mm-hmm. well not even just the color but just like the way that the lobe is look how big the lobe area is in comparison giant, to the mouth
1: giant foreheads so and then like big hair on top of it
0: yeah, and then, like, if you compare that to something like uh, Tenshi, for instance.
3: What's the one famous uh, anime with the girl with a nose like that? What's her name? Asuka? From,
0: uh... Uh, oh, Asuka Langley, yeah, from uh, uh, Evangelion. Evangelion. Yeah. yeah.
3: There you go, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, that would be an example. Another one I'd say would be, like, Tenshi Muyo, for instance. You could see a lot more of this, like, 90s sharpness going on. I mean, same thing with uh, Asuka and Rei, but also this. Like, uh, let's see if I have a. I have an image of it here. Too many tabs open, that's my problem, but uh, you get the, you get the idea. In the 90s, with something like Slayers, for example, it started becoming a lot more uh, sharper, but the eyes got bigger as well. Again, I don't know why exactly it went that direction. Yeah, I think Slayers is another good example of it. It's like a little bit simpler in nature, but you see what I mean? Like, the face ends up changing. And I still wonder, like, why is it? Why is it that the faces end up changing in the 90s into this? Yeah, this this drawing over here. This is I think yeah, a good well, a good I mean, example of it. Like the eyes just went nuts. You know, they just started getting really really big. The forehead started to uh, become less prominent, but there was like more of a sharpness over here. And I mean, there's not as much. Char-
3: Israel, a lot of miotny. That's yeah.
0: But 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 it's still it's still a different type. Like I'm yeah, like the chin is sharp over here, it could say maybe that's for simplification, but I don't know, maybe it's just aesthetic and it's beyond our ability to say why. But if you could say, why would there have been the transition from kind of like something like this to something like that? Would there be any reason you could point to or is just, well, the style changes and there's not much of a reason for it?
1: Um, I mean, styles are just naturally going to change, right? Like people aren't going to keep drawing the same way, like, you know, forever. Um, and then I, I think, well, so it, it's interesting. Uh, by the 90s, like, uh, if, you, if you read the Hayao Miyazaki essays, he complains about, like, the anime from that period. He's like, ah, it's too busy, right? There's too many lines, right? Like, the eyes are too detailed. Um, and it's because, uh, you know, from his perspective, people were just, like, really fetishizing the details and just mm-hmm. getting lost in that. And um, you could you, you could say it's directly, actually very directly related to the growth of the otaku culture so in the 70s anime was just like something on tv right there was Mm -hmm. not necessarily this identity of the otaku and this is my whole life and then that became a big thing in the 80s and then by the 90s you had people catering to that right but these were like and then nowadays you have people who grew up totally within that even in the 80s and 90s the otaku uh you know they would have been like in their 20s or 30s they would have remembered a time before the concept of the otaku the super you know nerd um whereas you know by so i i think it's catering to a more niche audience but that's just like a small part of it I it's just whoever drew that was personally interested in doing this style uh i would say for slayers because it's it's based off of a comic i think so when something's based off of a comic i generally I think it reflects more of the author's sensibilities, yeah. uh, and then when, when you see a lot of the like uh, really uh, super otaku low budget stuff that's made for TV expressly, like a lot of the harem comedies and stuff, uh, then some of those get like pretty impersonal and just kind of like generic. Uh, and then I, I would say those are the ones that really reflect like sort of the the just like hey I, you know this is just how you're supposed to draw now, right? Like there's there's less of a personal interest. It's more like it's just a product. And it's like, okay, this is what people like now. We're going to draw it like this. Mm. Now.
0: Well, and this is also why I do prefer the uh, 90s style. To what is going on right now? So right now, for example, oh nice gif. So right now, for example, you have something like this. I have no idea where that what this anime specifically is, but I notice the same kind of faces where it's almost like drippy. You know what I mean? Like the chin is almost melting down over here. There's a and, sort
3: of eroticism there as well with the anime girls. Yeah, but
0: it looks it looks too yeah. soft, and there's no differentiation in this area over here. If you notice, like there's no there's no uh, transition between the lobe and the um and, and the cheeks at least this is what i'm noticing like it's becoming a little bit more blob like and yeah i don't know what's going on there but uh, uh and what is this anime by the way do you know what this is this girl i have no idea where she's from i just I found her <laughs> yeah i just found her randomly yeah so... you
3: can never tell they're like yeah on the internet on twitter especially it's like yeah
0: you know... all right well anyway on to the final uh, super chats here um glow in the dark another one geo I'm not a weeb I have friends into anime but little did chat know it was me geo I was the weeb all along <laughs> <laughs>
3: All That's right a reference to uh, Vince McMahon uh, It's like Austin it was me all along that was <laughs> That's pretty nice.
0: <laughs> All right, and uh, and the ABC $5. If you've seen Demon Slayer the movie, Rengoku plays a martyr who sacrifices himself in Naruto both care should i spoil okay in naruto both characters die and come back to life christians all right abc another one here in naruto the villages are created and upheld and spread like christianity by the self-sacrifice and martyrdom of the people highest in the ranks i have not watched naruto i feel like this is a spoiler no, i don't know to. it's i know yes.
3: naruto is like pigeonholed is like popular like you know entry no, level yeah normie friendly anime yeah, normie yeah. friendly anime yeah that's well, mm. very interesting
0: yeah very nice well anyway richmond before we go i want to do the final promotions for you you have a podcast yourself right art eater
1: uh yep yep that's right uh yeah you can look us up uh, at arteater.com a-r-t-e-a-t-e-r.com uh, we're also on uh twitter that's at art eater podcast um, mm. Yeah, and we, we meet just about every week, and uh, we mostly talk about video games. We, we uh, you know, uh, uh, once in a while we might branch out into like talking about uh, Kentaro Muro's B- B- Berserk, but uh, mm. most of us have a video game background, so we, we, we make video games for a living, we love playing video games, so we mostly talk about games.
0: Nice. And are you guys also uh still looking for other opportunities uh, in terms of other collaborations? Video games or are you mainly focused right now on uh, this particular uh this particular game?
1: Oh, uh like my my, my company. Yes. Uh, yes. A, oh, yeah. Uh, we're we're always looking for like new new clients um if 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 you are making a game or an animation um you know and you need to uh, really scale up on production like uh, uh, we're we're very good at helping people scale up uh, large like like big projects mm-hmm. um uh, 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 when we started off we 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 worked on smaller projects that so we're we're at a phase now where um if it's like a really small project and you just need a couple hours of work like uh, that 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 might we're we're now prioritizing much bigger projects um uh but yeah uh just if you just want to like message me and just sort of ask for general advice on on whatever you're making like i'd I'd be happy to maybe Mm. give you some feedback
0: Uh, excellent well uh, Richmond it's been an amazing pleasure talking with you and Max uh, thank you so much for the amount of time that you were able to spend here uh, addressing all the questions and getting deep into the anime lore and all that so uh, excellent excellent stream I really enjoyed it everybody please follow Art Eater and also shout out to Glow in the Dark who is right now king of the super chat so just so you know Richmond you're not seeing it on your screen but in the main screen there is a little yeah. thing in the bottom a ticker where there's like you know super chat royalty so king or queen of the super chat uh, whoever gets the most money and right now it is glow in the dark so I just want to do another shout out to glow in the dark you are officially for now before somebody kicks you off uh, the stoop you are king of the super chat with $65 uh, in total super chat accumulation for the month so congratulations and thank you guys very much for watching please subscribe, add a like that helps the algorithm, patreon.com slash break the rules and all that good stuff, I'm going to stop the stream right Right now, I'm right. going to stop talking. And thank you guys so much once again for watching. Mwah! Good night, God everybody. Right, Good right, goodbye.